This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Lander Podcast. I am so glad everybody, yes, you, you as well, are here to join us for this podcast along with Brad Shoemaker. Me? Yeah, oh, I'm definitely glad you are here. <laughs> You're con- FBI- contractually obligated to yes, be here. Yes, that's true. Also, I can confirm the FBI has not raided my house this morning. No, not this morning. Alex no. Navarro, mm-hmm. how is are your doors uh, busted open? Weirdly enough, it's the IRS that seem oh, to be in here. Okay, well, you know, listen. It's they a, said I paid too much taxes, so they're just they like throwing would, money at me. Yes, they busted down your door to come tell you you have just paid too many. You won the award for paying too much in taxes. We're going to keep it, but we just wanted to let you know. <laughs> He's just that nice a guy. We'll give you enough to fix this door. Uh, that's, that's right. Well, ooh, how much is that door? 
Ah, uh, you know. Have you ever thought of like those nice beaded, <laughs> beaded cur- curtain things? They're they're very nice. Have you thought about nice. saloon doors? Yeah, they're Ooh. very nice. I you know you could see in the hallways very nice. You're listening to the Next Lender podcast. We are here. It is November 18th. If you're listening to this on its official release day, and I believe happy birthday to me and happy not, birthday to Alex. If you, if you didn't pay, if you didn't pay the ninety dollars for the ultimate edition of the Next Lander podcast and get in during the early access period. That's right. We fixed all the bugs by That's this right. one. One of the bugs being Alex's birthday. So that has been patched out. Oh. Uh, so, hey, so 40. Oh, huh? yeah, it means I get to be 39 for That's another right. year, right? Okay. Th- 39 forever. That's that's a song that has never been written because nobody nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> 39 forever, baby. Never going to get a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and definitely uh, not going to get a little bit wiser. That's for sure. So happy birthday, Alex. Thank you. Um, yeah. 40 40 they still make like little bottles that say over the hill pills or old fart pills or something i bet they do and if anyone I, sends me one of those i am excising them from my life is spencer's like, gift still around uh, yeah man i feel like the, i feel like all the over the hill kind of stuff is such boomer shit yeah to, to me yeah like that was very much for the, of that generation to be like that yeah, I feel like uh, most of the people who have reached their 40s within the last decade are just really glad to still be here more than anything else, considering what? how things tend to go so, these yep, days. It's like, hey, I made it this far. I am just bracing for whatever is yet to come. <laughs> <laughs> just Here's eyeballing that 401k and just going. You got a book that just says you should have you should have started putting money away 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, in a, li- in a life much. jacket. <laughs> it's, like, yep. it's just a call from your financial advisor being like what the fuck are you doing yep. hey, life, so life you jacket st- and a bottle of cheap whiskey here you go <laughs> Good, godspeed to you they don't even give you a watch anymore because it's all apple watches and those are too expensive <laughs> what and a book that says what to do if you haven't saved money oh, boy. um yeah i don't know man that's pretty dark anyway over That's, the hill, hey, pill. Let's it wouldn't be my birthday if we didn't throw dark. Hey, man, you watched that Battlefield intro. You know where this shit's going. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I, uh, I certainly did. We'll get to that in a little while, along with some Halo Infinite multiplayer beta and some Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition. Brad Shoemaker, you had a comment. I don't think it was on air, though I have become very confused to what it said on air and off air. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned, kind of when we were going over the rundown for something, that the list of stuff we are covering, if somebody had told you, what, 20 Dude. years ago, that this would be the list of things you were covering, you'd Literally. be like, get out of here. Like, to the day, if somebody had told me 20 years ago, hey, 20 years from now, <laughs> you're still going to be playing Halo, Grand Theft Auto, and Battlefield. <laughs> And here we are. So it's, uh, stay tuned for that uh, in a little bit. Actually, Battlefield might have been a little, just to cover my ass here, yeah. <laughs> Battlefield 1942 might have been a little less than 20 years ago. But, you know. Close enough. Pretty mm-hmm. close. Close enough. Um, and just a couple with that, I was trying to serial use a serial port today to yeah. try and get into something. And that it's hyper terminal that when that thing mm-hmm. loaded up, holy cow, I haven't seen a menu like that since probably windows 95. Plug so. in that RS two thirty two. Go to button. town, set your baud rate. I did not go to the town, the town. No. The, some information came to me, but I could not send information back. Baud body. Baud. Baud. Um, yeah, that's, that's my life. Baud. Yep. <laughs> your life is, is measured in bods. 40 over 40. Uh, my baud mm-hmm. rate, uh, you know, uh, 9,600 and, um, that's about where I live that's All right. in the basement with the serial <laughs> cable. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it's a USB to serial cable. It's... I've, uh, I've moderni- modernized half of my life. So though, I don't know if it's working. I can't, I can't quite tell. Uh, 
All right, let's. Should we just get into um, uh, this week's stuff? There's lots, lots of video games lots at the risk at the risk of this podcast getting darker still. Well, we <laughs> got a lot to talk about. The news. We'll get there. The, the news. The news will handle a little bit more of the darker section. Mm. Um, though a lot of the games this week are also news, so mm. we're gonna have a weird mix and match and plug and play. And uh, uh, make sure you get the drivers for this one, folks. You're gonna want the full experience. Yes. So let's let's kick it off with the. Um, Microsoft had their 20th anniversary event. Yeah. Uh, their, their, well, should I say Xbox? When I looked it up for, to make sure I was getting everything correct, it was, it was promoted as Xboxes. Yeah. 20 years they've, of Xbox. They've really, in the last few years, I feel like kind of in the Phil Spencer era, have mm-hmm. really gone out of their way to kind of like excise the word Microsoft from a lot of their branding. Like you'll always hear them say like, here at Xbox, yes. we think blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like. I feel like the one exception is the flight simulator, and that's probably just because yes, everyone associates the word Microsoft in no, front yes. of flight, the flight that, simulator. Yes. That is that is a crucial part of that title. <laughs> uh, so yeah, when I w- when I was putting together the deck and everything, I had kept writing Microsoft's you know 20th anniversary for, and it's that was not anything. So anyway, Xbox's 20th anniversary stuff. They put out a little st- a stream, which I thought was actually pretty good. Yeah, some uh, some people asked on the Discord. We were planning to stream over that stuff even before the Halo rumors started. Mm-hmm. Like those started over the weekend, but before that, like I had, I had seen a press release saying like, "Oh, we're doing the stream next week. It's 20 years," and I was like, "Wow, 20 years is a long time." Yeah, yes. it's fun talking about old video games. Yeah, it's the reason maybe I maybe the Rock uh, will be there, which he was, and, and we had talked about playing some old Xbox games and filling yeah. uh, some time after. That's why I had the Xbox out when we did the GTA stream. Right, right. Um, we, we when we first planned and set up for that stream, we had no inkling that the Halo thing would happen, but then it did, and wow. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Halo Infinite supposed to come out December eighth with its. Um, I'm gonna try to get this right. It's the campaign and multiplayer December eighth, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, but not the Forge. Stuff. Not no, Forge. Forge. Forge and cam- campaign co-op are not making right. it to Okay. Uh, uh, and then uh, it seems like if you are um, you can get it on Steam and on uh, Game Pass on PC and Xbox, the multiplayer they're calling it a beta. It seems like it is. I don't know. It, it feels like, like a stress test at most. That's yeah. just that's just yeah. Calling it a beta is just a formality at this yeah. point because like it's it's all the content, all your progress is carrying over. I think it's just kind of gets them off the hook if there are any issues, which I haven't really seen. Nothing, so, nothing too so earth shattering. It's, no, it's been working pretty good. Yeah, they might they me. might tune and tweak some stuff along the way. Maybe they'll, but they do that yes, anyway when things arrive. Mm-hmm. Definitely some. It is a multiplayer video game launch, and so there are plenty of complaints out there about the progression and monetization. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, before we but. get into the details, I, even for my own edification, you can get it on Steam for free? Yes. yes. And then yes, you, the multiplayer is free yeah, to play no matter yeah, what. It is just literally free to play on Steam. And also, like, I, I think I mentioned this on the stream, but like, you download quote unquote Halo Infinite on Steam. And then yeah. if you look at the store page, Halo Infinite campaign is listed as a $60 piece of DLC. <laughs> okay, that's great. For that free to play game you just yes. downloaded. And then, uh, and then if you're on the Xbox, you can get it only if you're on game pass if you have game is that, pass is that right is that correct i don't know that's that's what i was wanting I don't, to double check so the, the like the tile on the xbox dashboard says game pass on it for me but i don't know mm. if maybe just anybody can get it i'm not sure i have game pass so it, it just kind of came through that system yeah it was I, hard I, to I tell in that interface i'm not sure uh well it is it is available and it is playable and you guys actually got into it during that stream a little bit while after that launch event which was kind of surprising mm-hmm. I thought it would be a little tougher to get into it is multiplayer halo not to not to be too um um I don't know 
Reductive. Reductive. Nah, it's like cliche. It's. I'm not going to say it's a Halo ass Halo multiplayer. Just game. say it. Say it. It's I one of not. those. Just no, say it. No, I will not. It is. It is. I. All right. I'm going to say not. this up front. I don't think it's. I think it's super fun. I think yes. it's a super yes. fun modernized version of Halo multiplayer. Yeah, I am having a surprisingly good time with it. Uh, I am too, and I think part of the reason is because I, I don't know where you guys have been on Halo multiplayer over the last decade and in the 343 era, but I have not really touched it with any significance since probably Halo 3. Yeah, I didn't play a ton of Halo or multiplayer in Halo 4 and 5 either. But 5 was going in a weird direction where it was very much aimed down sights, like it feels like, ah, oh, there's maybe a little too much Call of Duty in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this feels more Halo-ish to me, I think. Although playing it with a mouse and keyboard, it's hard to tell. So I've like, I have only done it with the, on the controller. You know, I'm just like whip-panning the view around everywhere like it's Quake or whatever. So well, here's what like I know weird. is that I got into that multiplayer and I was just like, oh, I'm home again. I'm here. <laughs> like, this feels like Halo. And I'm, I'm again, I don't know what the advancements have been or the changes have been in that series since, you know, 343 took over. But, like, I did not feel a lot of, like, rust getting back into it. It felt like what I remembered Halo multiplayer. I don't know. I like. saw you drive that Warthog, Alex Navarro. Okay. <laughs> the Warthog <laughs> is a different beast entirely. Dude, the fucking Warthog rules. Warthog, driving the Warthog might be the most fun thing in Halo to me. Uh, well, now they have the, the, with the gun goose, the mongoose with the guns yeah, the on mon- it. Mongoose with guns. There's, um, God, I can never remember all the names of stuff in Halo. It's, what is the, the brute, fucking chopper oh, is, is chopper. actually the chopper that motorcycle with the yeah. big spinning blades in the front there's that thing so i i played so i've mostly been playing um uh big team match stuff the the big big, big team battle yeah big that's team battle that, stuff. to me that is kind of the most classic halo it's all outdoors you know it's kind of the bigger bigger maps like more objective modes um, capture the capture the flag and stuff like that but it's just it's the vehicle-based chaos that you are coming to halo for right, right? And I, I think the modes in there are pretty fun. And they, you know, you kind of get, it seems like you get a random mode, capture the flag. That What's the node one called? The power cell one? Uh, oh, gosh. That, that's the new one or yeah. a new one. I cannot remember the name of that one. I like that. you got to load the power cells and power up a thing. I like, yeah, that I've, I like that a lot. I've only gotten into it that one time on that stream we did with David Ellis of 343. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, like that's, that's kind of one of the little nitty gritty details I wish were a little better is maybe some more specific filtering on what you're going to get into. Yeah, I would love it if it was just like, I just want to play this mode. Please just right. let me play this mode. Or at, at a minimum, if you can't just pick a mode, at least kind of opt out of certain modes and maps that mm. you don't want to see or right. you've seen too much. But there's not a lot of granular control yet on what you get matched into, which is kind of an issue when like all of the progression is based on the challenges. But we'll get to that. Yeah, so so you, you do have kind of the smaller stuff. Like I I don't really enjoy like Slayer or um really? you know, just yeah like oh, I, that's a classic man. I, I like the I like the go get a thing and then just like yeah like I like the I like the something that feels a little more cooperative and I, I feel yeah. like those other like capture the flag in Halo is maybe one of my favorite. I mean, capture the flag has been done nth number of times right yes it, it is but there's something about the halo version of it that always seems fun. i think this is the freaking mongoose like just being mm-hmm. able to jump on the mongoose and dr- drive in there and try and get yeah. a flag and so they they actually i didn't realize this until i got matched into one this morning but they do have a four-on-four kind of more nuts and bolts capture the flag mode oh okay with like, without vehicles in these smaller maps like so there is that if you want the cooperative but smaller experience but it's very that's very dance of death right of like okay I'm here, you're here, you just came around the corner. Which one of us is going to drop the shields first? Which one of us is going to get in and do the melee first? Mm. You know? Like, it, it takes all the chaos out of it, right? It's a much more tactical, just head-to-head shooter at that point. 
And, and so they have the capture the flag. They have Slayer. This is on the the big team stuff. And then they have um, is it Stockpile? Is that the the one? Is Stockpile? Maybe that's the Power Core one. Is that right? I'm not uh, sure. There's Stronghold. There's a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's on the and uh, maybe Stockpile is it? And then Total Control is that the other one? Let me look at this I would, list. I would believe that. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's the area control one. Like that stuff is. That stuff to me is really fun. So like the smaller stuff, like the oddball and all those things, like they're fun, but I'm so terrible at it. Like, mm-hmm. I think I need to hide behind or I need a group to kind of like sure. buffer a bit. Like you just want to uh, jump in the passenger seat of the Warthog and see where it takes you or drive it. Like I enjoy driving that stuff. I've, I, the, the, it took me a while to figure out how to get the, um, uh, what is that GI Joe esque like, uh, ho- hover plane thing, the, the VTOL looking th- with the fans on it. That, the uh, Valkyrie? The, the, uh, what is that thing called? The human or the covenant? Human one that, uh, oh. it, it's got like the vertical, uh, go I know which one you're that. talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I guess, like I said, terrible with Halo names. Yeah. yeah it took too. me a while to like realize like how to have to move up and down with that, <laughs> up and down with that thing and get going. So I was skiffing around on the ground with it for a long time, doing pretty decent damage. Uh, and you know, I, I, did okay and it was fun and i'm gonna bring this up a little bit later when we're talking about battlefield to steal a term and i'm not sure exactly where this uh, came from but time to fun i think <laughs> in 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 halo uh infinite the multiplayer is pretty quick like you yeah. you get in there the maps um seem set up enough with choke points to to kind of funnel you into encounters pretty quickly or to get you where you need to go pretty quickly and the ramps and the boosts and all that stuff really help as well. And I, so I think getting a weapon, getting going and getting into an encounter and either winning or losing that encounter, it seems pretty quick. Like yes. the, the fun factor is, is high. Um, did any of you guys do the armory stuff or not the armory, the um, uh, tutorial stuff, the onboarding? Not yet. No, no, the Academy is what the they Academy. call it. Uh, that, that stuff also I think has kind of the right tone because they put you in a, bot match basically at the end of that and they know what they're doing with their bot names mm-hmm. you, you, like the bot names i got were like what do you got i forget exactly what it was but it was like you know doug head 420 x 420x okay. and like mm-hmm. uh uh i'm i'm the god <laughs> you know like there were some pretty That's, good bot names okay. in there was was the halo god in there <laughs> It was some, you know, there was something, there was something goat, you know, like it was, uh, okay. it was pretty okay. good. That's not, it's not quite up there with what I've seen in uh, battlefield on the PS five, considering that's cross play and people can name it, name their names, oh whatever boy. they want on the oh PC. Huh. But, but yeah. Uh, and they also have bots like dropping in and out of that bot match, which I thought was pretty funny. Huh. Like, you know, you get like bots like, Hey, this person left. And then like another bot came in, which I thought was, that's, that's not bad. So if you've played a decent amount of the actual online in this is, do you feel like it's still worth going back and doing that stuff? Is there stuff to be gained? If you feel like you've got a pretty good handle on everything? Um, you get some narrative stuff, but I, I don't know if that stuff ties into any of the halo story. They stuff they showed at one of the press conferences where there's that, do you remember that cinematic where the 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 younger uh, girl is running away and then the Spartans come save her? She's like running through, uh, I forget what planet, and then she's kind of cornered by the brutes, and then the Spartans come down and save her, and then it flashes forward and she's a Spartan. So yes. she's kind of she's your mentor through that stuff, and so okay. she she's training you, and then at the end of that, she kind of just gets on a pelican or whatever they are, and and flies away, and she's like, I'll be back someday. Go fight, go fight the good fight. <laughs> 
by someday I mean December eighth. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I like I don't know how much that factors into the story. So yeah. you, you got some of that, and you know you get some setup for your Spartan. I assume okay. this is your Spartan. I, that is, I might have to go check that stuff. It's out pretty quick. Like as as much as I am enjoying this as a multiplayer thing, it is also like weirdly priming the pump for the campaign. Like, yes. Like I was already very interested in the campaign, but now I'm like, oh man, just give me that thing. I really want to see that. That's what I was going to ask. I was because like I'm enjoying the multiplayer, and I again I have not really gotten into a Halo campaign in a very long time. But this multiplayer is jazzing me up a little bit for this new Halo, and I'm like. I didn't think that was going to happen. Honest yeah, to God, I, mean, I thought I might have just been done with Halo, but I think it may have hit me at just the right time. Some of that, some of that is like being reminded by playing this of how tactically diverse Halo is. You know, like you've got like up close, medium range, long range options. You've got throwables and you know equipment and vehicles and like lots of stuff can work in lots of different ways. You know, but none yes, of it is like, like that complicated. Like, is no, the other like, thing, like like in a way, in a way that Battlefield absolutely is not doing for yes, me. Yes, right. It literally just feels like Call of Duty on a larger scale. It is literally just ADS a guy, hope that you get him before he gets you. You both go down very fast. You know, it, whereas like like Halo encounters, group encounters, or one on one, it's always this like dance of death. You know, it's like because the time to kill is so long because shields recharge. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's all these options people can deploy. Like I don't know about you guys, when I get into a fight in Halo. Like my heart kind of stops. It was similar in Destiny because it all, Destiny is, you know, unsurprisingly, also varied and a long time to kill. Right, mm. where it's like this fight with this person might last thirty or forty-five seconds, and I feel like my heart has stopped the entire time. You know, like I'm just white knuckle gripping the controller. Especially, oh, yeah, like everything else recharge. slows down while you're just doing that maneuvering. You know, mobility options, explosives, throwables, equipment, all that stuff. It definitely has more of a fighting game feel at that point where you're trying. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've got an opener, right? Like, hey, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to unload, and then I'm going to punch, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to back away and throw two grenades. Like, yeah. and you could do it all very quickly. Um, and we'll get to the battlefield stuff in a while, but I I never have that kind of encounter feeling with battle. It's a different type of game for sure, for but, sure. But, but um, you know, I'll just say it now that the grenade stuff in 2042, I have found a real kind of mess for me. Like I just yeah. want to throw grenades, That's not have to switch to grenades. The list of messes is long with that. Um, one. <laughs> but the so thing, yeah. uh, the thing I was gonna say though is just being reminded of that tactical variety in the Halo combat, and then remembering like, oh right, this new one is a is an open world, right? It's like they seem to have straight up Far Cry outposts in this Halo game that you can approach from any side. Yeah. And so mixing that that big old sandbox of of combat tools in with freedom to approach encounters in different ways, like I'm super excited to see that campaign. Yeah. See how that point. goes. Like that's that's gonna be really interesting in terms of level design because especially adding in the vehicles, because some of those vehicles are very powerful powerful. So We'll have to see how they. Maybe there'll be a lot of things in bunkers. Uh, I'm also really curious, like if they can actually pull off like the different approaches stuff, because you know the very much the the sort of Far Cry open world thing that they're trying to do with the the giant Halo world. Like they're like, here's the doubt post. How are you going to approach it? And it's like, well, when I think about Halo, I think about, well, I'm going to run up and I'm going to shoot those guys. So you know, I don't, there's not really a lot of stealth in those. And so I'm curious if like they've. I don't know, just like how that approach actually applies to Halo combat and like what, how much freedom do you actually get in that? Yeah, I did not. I, I've gotten the grapple shot a couple of times in the multiplayer, but I have not really been I, successful. I barely it. see it. I see yeah. the, the, the deployable shield, the dash, yeah. and the stealth camo show up a lot for me, but I maybe I'm playing the wrong modes. But I, I, I think there's tiers of, of those power-ups, and I think that's one of the things. I think the... 
I think over. I thought Overshield was a little higher too. On, on yeah, the, that's one of the here. ones where they'll announce like Overshield spawning, yeah. and then you have to go find it. Yeah, and that and that skewer gun, uh, and the and the what's the the <laughs> spank spanker spank spanker. spanker? Spanker. I, I would I would one hundred percent believe there is a weapon in Halo called the Spanker. Spanker. Um, I definitely heard people yelling about a spanker. Spanker. Yeah, it's fun. There's people seem to get in the vehicles, you honk the horn, they jump in. Yeah. Um it's I don't know. Something about the mix of the size of the maps, the player count. It's all kind of working for me yeah, right now. Absolutely. I, it is clicking. Like I've had several just in the last couple of days, like moments, memorable moments of like, holy shit, I took out three out of the four members of that team and returned our flag right before yeah. they scored, you know, like, or like, oh, I managed to use grenades in a really creative way to kind of mm-hmm. shut them down or, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those multiplayer moments you want to have that are like little stories of like, oh, I did this cool thing, which Again, not really having so much with the other big multiplayer yeah. this week. But the anyway. only thing I wish was different is that progression stuff. Like, I don't like the challenges. I don't really care about that stuff. I would really love it if that was a different progression system. So I'm I'm confused. Like, when you finish a daily, do they just pop another daily in indefinitely? Because it seemed like it did that for me, but I I haven't I haven't explored it too much. That's that's what I but I see people on Twitter talking about how annoyed they are that they're like, "Oh, my challenge right now is get 5 kills with the mangler and then something something melee." You know, it's like very specific weapon specific stuff that right. is like would be harder to pull off, but like maybe I just haven't played enough, but most of my challenges right now are like play two quick play matches, mm-hmm. play a big team battle, you know, like I've gotten a few like get 5 kills with the mangler or whatever, but but even with those more, more simple ones, like I just, I just don't think that's a great system. Like I, I think just playing and you know, I, as much as XP is maybe old hat, like just, just give me XP for yeah, playing. So, well, I don't need more than that. So yeah, like I don't, I, I don't think the system itself is inherently bad, but yes, it absolutely needs to be complemented by just straight up, hey, give me something for just yeah. playing the game. Yeah. Like, do not get those, anything for just doing a match. There is, as far as I know, not as far as the unlockables as far, are concerned. As far as I can tell, you gain zero progression XP just for playing a match. It is Man. purely challenging. What am I using right my now. boost? Why do, why do I have to buy a boost? It was just like boost the XP I get from the from challenges, challenges. I guess. Challenges? Yeah, yeah. So, so also, they do, they do have a full store, like the battle pass. We should mention they have a, um, you know, it's cosmetic upgrades in the, in the yeah, pass. I, I, I'm enjoying it enough that I almost sprung for the premium pass. I might, I might go grab that later. You can get but in there and, uh, pay your halo bucks for that stuff. And people are not super thrilled with the itemization on the battle pass either. I think the premium one might be better, but the free one is like kind of <laughs> scraping the barrel in people, terms of people, what you get. People did a breakdown and the graph I saw is like, there's maybe two dozen things that are not challenge. Um, what's the term for it? Basically like two, two thirds of that battle pass is an item. It's just an item that is a single use thing that lets you swap out one of your challenges for another random challenge. Oh, okay. Is, like a burn card. Almost that like, is like a, kind of, yes. Okay. It's like literally just, Oh, I don't like this challenge I have. I can get oh, rid of it and get something else. But like, you. that's like, that's the majority of the stuff you get from the free battle pass. I, I didn't look on the premium one and, and keep that thought in your head that you had before. I'm sorry. We, before we started talking about the battle pass stuff, Brad, cause uh, I don't want to derail you. Um, but the, is there a way to earn halo bucks in the premium battle pass? Cause some, I like when a battle pass lets you pay for the next battle pass. If you got, I not, so you, I know you can't do that just cause I saw the breakdown I was reading of the battle pass said you cannot, you cannot, like you okay. can't, you can't earn currency to buy the next battle pass. Okay. I do know that. Ah, that kind of uh, stinks. From what I've read, but I you might be able to earn it for some of those 
what are you even buying with Halo Bucks? Like like outfits? Like so you it converts armor? real money into Halo Bucks. Uh, so you can you can go and then you know it's got like hey best offer you know uh, ten dollars gets you whatever the currency conversion is twenty four hundred Halo Bucks. Uh, and then you can go into the store and they have sets, armor sets, and there's a, there's a lot of customization for your Spartan. There's customization for your vehicle. So you have a decent amount. It's very Destiny-esque, right? It's got this mm-hmm. des- Destiny kind of veneer in that sense of, hey, look at your Destineer and look at your Spartan. And like you can you can kind of know what you're going to get into here. Hey, you want your pauldrons to be different. You want your legs to be different. Um, so I didn't – you can buy – oh, you can get the different AI voices, right? Uh, yeah. And AI colors. And there's a decent amount of stuff in there. I don't know how much more fret I've got in me. I switched. I thought, I, thought, <laughs> I thought Fret's hand wringing was charming for the first few matches, but at this point, I was like, ah, I need I need an AI with a little more confidence. Maybe a more normal voice. Mm. Uh, but they, some of that stuff, again, it's, they're building out as multiplayer beta. I don't know if they're going to just hit a switch and, and populate it with a bit more of stuff. But some of those um, uh, cosmetic categories are pretty anemic at this point. Like, you go in mm-hmm. there, there's just one thing, even with a lock on it. There's only yeah. one thing. It's yeah. not fleshed out a lot right now. Yeah, like some of the some of the I think like the scorpion tank skin or category only had like one extra skin in it, yeah. maybe two or something. I, like I wonder if that stuff is just will come down later. Uh especially if yeah. they're opening up the beta this early. You know some people are gonna just unlock all that stuff by the time release comes. Yeah, they'll definitely add to it over time, but for launch, I don't know. I would guess this is what there is for launch because we're so close, but and Maybe. they're doing seasons, right? Like this is the Re- Heroes of Reach or something? Yeah, season? this one, um, it goes through May, and I saw a headline somewhere that they had extended it through May, so I guess that's longer than they were originally planning on. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's it to get you a new battle pass, a, right? That is, a, mm-hmm. that is a good long, six months is a long time for a multiplayer season. I wonder uh, if they will tweak, I feel like these games do, I, I am no expert in this, but I feel like they do sometimes tweak the accrual accrual rates, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I am sure they will be making changes to the XP generation and all that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, I think it's a lot of fun, at least right now. I haven't played uh, in a group yet. I've mostly just been jumping in solo, and it seems fine to me. Like, uh, I, I know those games can also be a lot of fun in a group. Uh, no, um, there's no pve mode right in this i can think of yeah i had something i wouldn't mind like a like a group of four uh kind of wave-based thing i hadn't even thought about that like that was firefight you know firefight Mm -hmm. was a big halo thing for a long time and i really liked it but i don't i bet it comes back at some point i don't don't know if halo 5 even had it maybe maybe i mean if this has the i bet this is I assume this is going to have a very long tail on it, so they want it to it. Oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. they're they've, making another one of these in the near future, no. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they've literally been out there saying, like, Halo Infinite is the foundation for the okay. next decade of Halo, so, like, like, who knows exactly what that means, but that's a pretty grandiose statement. That Let's feels to it. me like we want this game to last as long as we can so we can start figuring out what we want to do next. Well, it's, it's probably in the mold of a Destiny 2. Let's not say a Destiny 1, but a Destiny 2, where it is a platform mm-hmm. that just... so. Like a new mode could enter in season three, the season of the, you know, whatever. And hopefully they learn from destiny and don't just start taking shit away from you as time goes on. Well, I, I would like it if they had, um, and maybe this will come on release this mode, the multiplayer tie into some of the, um, narrative, but it's Spartan on Spartan. So I don't know. It's not that game really. So I don't know. Like 
I don't know what it like. Is it is it is there any story in this, or is it just hey, have some fun goofing off? There's not even like a practice military. Yeah, I'm trying practice to like, scenario. like Destiny at least does the thing of like, oh, this is practice for guardians. Yeah. Like this is just mm-hmm. the scrimmage zone. Also, your weird immortal undead <laughs> right, things right, that yeah. can just respawn every time you die anyway. So who cares? Yeah. yeah, like this is oh, you know, there was always the red versus blue stuff in Halo, the kind of combat games motif. I think. I'll go watch some red versus blue YouTube movies. I'll get all the story. Yeah. Uh, so anything else to say about halo before we move on? No, but good yeah. on them for doing the thing. There's yeah. Nothing I love. There's nothing. I mean, granted it kind of leaks, but there's nothing I love more than like, Hey, it's out by the yeah. way. It's out. Like that's always super fun. They right. found and a like, way to make me excited about halo again. And I never if, thought if that, hadn't again. Leaked, that would have been huge. If that had not leaked, if nobody had been able to data mine that evidence and like, it literally just came out of nowhere. Like that would have been, completely bananas so here's the fun thing about me and my memory i had forgotten that any of those rumors had started coming out by the time we hit monday and i was pretty surprised when we were talking beforehand you were like you know that thing might come out today and i was like oh right those rumors were going around yeah like originally like the my idea for that stream originally was like well that stream might be cool it might not it turned out to be kind of kind of cool with all the historical stuff they put in there but like at first it was like "Ah, maybe we'll watch 10 minutes of that and it'll be dumb and then we'll just go play otogi or whatever because yeah. you had because you had your xbox hooked up uh, we did play some otogi but then the halo stuff started and it was like all right well okay we probably need to actually watch this whole thing now and see if they do the thing or not which they did which they did which was fun uh turned Always out to fun. be a very fun monday and yeah. uh and beyond uh the, i okay so halo infinite multiplayer it's out there i feel like my expectations for it were tempered because of you know development of that game has been kind of on a bumpier cycle and you know we've all seen a lot of halo yeah although I, I think to, to be fair i think most of the rumors out of that bumpy development have been around the campaign down in the campaign yeah, yeah. Or, or at least the, like aesthetics and 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 that stuff um but i was pretty excited for battlefield and i feel like that game had shown pretty well uh and the portal stuff seemed really neat when we saw it like and that was a a game that I was pretty excited for them to go and do some really mash up bizarre stuff and maybe rethink what Battlefield is and have a big Battlefield on a next generation platform uh, and, and kind of nail that. I have found my time with Battlefield 2042 to be uh, pockets of fun in a kind of a sea of mediocrity. Like it's Ooh. like. Like kind of, you know, it's not, it's not that scathing. It's just, uh, I found it to be jumping into a map and the maps are very big. They're huge. At least the ones I've jumped into. Um, and this is on the kind of, uh, uh, main campaign side, not in the, on the main multiplayer side, not the portal side right? or the, um, um, gosh, I already forgot the, the other mode again. We just were talking about this. Uh, so there's conquest and breakthrough are the two main multiplayer uh, yes and then and then that new go in with your squad and find yes. a bunch of data trinkets and get them out and extract them oh, the intel mode yes or die in 90 seconds and just get booted from the match which i did uh that's hazard zone i think hazard zone, yeah right. so um so yeah in, in the in the in the main multiplayer stuff with 128 players like that's chaos like, yeah it is, it is big and chaos and it's, at times i love it and at t- and that really makes me smile and laugh as it is just people running sideways with planes falling out of the sky and hovercrafts just doing donuts gunning everybody down 
and it's like it's just wild nonsense and ex- and I'm having some fun in there but in between that stuff there's a decent if you miss a vehicle you can wind up running to uh and, and there's nobody to spawn on by oh, yeah. uh, an objective you yep. can wind up doing a pretty long run only to get kind of to be sniped yeah yep. sniped or, get or to the objective off. by the guy in the grass yeah because the time to kill in that game is pretty fast it's time to kill is pretty fast time to and like my time to fun in that game it seems spread out a lot Vinny's so. Vinny's time to fun meter yeah it's um, dropping it's dropping precipitously though it's I like the chaos like I do enjoy it it's is it too many players I, I, don't, <laughs> like, I don't know I don't I'm torn that's on the that specific stuff. problem I think like the, the, well go ahead go Brad. Ahead. the one time the player count really works for me is literally just exactly when the match starts and your whole team is all bunched up together. <laughs> yes. And it's literally dozens of people all running to, like, <laughs> that. at that moment, you kind of, like, get the childhood G.I. Joe fantasy, right? Of just mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, we're playing war. This is a big old thing. Like, yeah. it's dumb and loud and, and large, you know? But then yeah. everybody immediately disperses to different checkpoints. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through the match, all the encounters, all the objectives have compartmentalized enough that, yes. like, you spawn on one and there's, like, five or ten people there. Like you die and like, oh, I'm going to go over this other one. You spawn on a different one and there's a different five or 10 people that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, like you pick a, you pick a checkpoint, you pick a, a, a flag or a zone maybe that you want to make yours and this is going to be your hill to right. die on. Right. Like, right. I think I'm that's much fight. easier in the, um, uh, the one where it's like the, the way, like the front line, Break, it constantly has to hold up breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's much easier in that one. I, I have not been able to play that one because like dude, the list of bugs in this game is alarming. So we should say we're all playing but, on PS5, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. so far. Uh, but uh, over and over, I have matched into a, a match and had it be like, could not sync persistent data returning you to the menu or something. Yeah. Oh. Literally, literally just could not get into the match. And That's interesting. interesting. I, I have not actually that. been able to play a breakthrough match yet. I uh, I mostly, in breakthrough, my biggest problem is I get just spawned into like a match that has you know three minutes left. And those are, those are pretty long matches. They're like a half hour sometimes. And actually... That that does sound like I mean if 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 it's literally just one line of skirmish mm-hmm. the whole time which it is right like that's how that works well the one so the the one I played of breakthrough it was a map of like two control points and then obviously the two bases for either side and then one side has the the you know reinforcements counter going down the other yeah. one is infinite right and so if they capture all those points they win but if you hold at least one of them you win okay. right you're, you're trying to drain the you're trying to drain the other side of their tickets, but you have infinite as you're pushing. Yeah, forward. you will keep responding indefinitely, but if they get your points, that's it. Okay, yeah. but it sounds like it concentrates all those players in in a smaller on smaller, smaller front. Smaller. Yeah. Okay. The ones I've played that, have like two or three zones at a time, like uh, encounter points at a time. Whereas okay, well, that might be cool. Conquest has like you know, I think it goes up to it's like Alpha, Beta, Charlie. I think it goes up to Echo, and there are multiple it goes up ones. Boxrod, I've seen, I've oh, seen yeah. F- okay. F1 and 2. Yeah, those, yeah, those maps are huge, and like they should be for those player counts, but it does spread things out to the extent that like I stop noticing there are so many people in, in this match. <laughs> There's a certain quickly. point where it almost feels like in some of those maps, if you are not playing with a sniper rifle, you might as well not fucking play, because there, there are people who are picking you off from distances that you just can't fathom. Unless you're in a vehicle or you have a sniper rifle. Yeah, it's tough. If you haven't played a lot of Battlefield in a while, which I have not, like, coming back to that and realizing how easily you can just get destroyed yeah. pretty, is a pretty rude awakening. Well, th- for me, it is. It is. it was a quick remembering that, oh, right, as soon as you fire, everybody sees you on the map. 
So yep. like if you if you are like I'm gonna take a pot shot at this person, and then you just see any anything around you just turn <laughs> inward and fire at you, which is like oh right yeah I need to be a little more judicious with um how you know my shots and my kills, which you know makes it hard because there are so many people on the map to get a clean shot at somebody that makes you confident you're going to get them and get away getting up to that person, sneaking through the enemy lines can be really tough and challenging. Right. So, you know, you'd think in a 128 player match over the course of a half hour, my kills are like seven or eight. Like it's, you think I might be- are lower than that, but you know, there are also matches I've won with almost zero kills because all I like in that breakthrough mode, all I have to do is just hunker down mm. at one point and not get killed too much. You're and right. as long as I am there and providing covering fire, I don't actually have to kill anyone as long as the <laughs> the people around me are doing some work. So I think one of my one of my things that I'm having trouble with in that game, well, I mentioned it a little bit in the Halo stuff. Um, I find I wish the grenades were just mapped to a throw. You know, if you have a frag yes. grenade, yes, having uh, to d-pad your way to grenades before you throw one—that sucks. Yeah, it's, it's it's like one step too many to use them effectively for me. Yeah, exactly. Like I, it's I don't have that much time to plan out. Like usually when I th- want to throw a grenade uh, or switch back, if I have a grenade in my hand, I'm, I'm doing something, and then suddenly a yeah. guy sneaks up on me, like having to switch back, or I'm I'm dead by that point. Uh, the other thing is, um, the, what they what they've done with the class system this time is really. Maybe it'll play out in the long run, but it is you get these uh, archetypes for uh, the different classes, like your assault, your engineer, your medic, uh, and your and their defender, and you know stuff like that. But you can then slot in any kit really you want. So they then you then pick the kit you want. So you pick your assault type, and then you can pick the assault kit, which you can then have just stuffed with all the engineer stuff in it, right. or you mm-hmm. can just pick the engineers. So you almost it's almost like picking the class gets you a perk. And that's about it. It gets you like yeah. a, like one of the classes has a wingsuit instead of a parachute. One of the classes, and then you kind of, you know, like this this uh, defender has a little more armor, and but you can use any kit you want. It's a, it's a, it's a little weird to get used to. It gets gets you a perk and also some quips at the selection screen because yes. they all have like names and personalities now. Like it, I, the first time I saw that full class slash character select screen, I was yeah. just like, are they trying to make this into Apex Legends? Because oh, so that's kind of how it feels. Oh, the walk up, like the little like yes, scroll it's up. Literally, like these these are all named characters with one liners who kind of walk toward the camera as you select them. Named yeah. characters with with their own names, and I will say right out of the gate, one, it is a huge fucking bummer that this is one of the last things that Michael K. Williams will be associated with in his career. And two, there is a guy in there that looks just like me, and I am fucking suing. <laughs> Wait, which oh, yeah. one? Okay. Which, one? I, sure. which sure. one is it? I don't, it's, I don't... Uh, the guy. He's wearing a hat, and he has my face. You will oh, know wait. him instantly. He's a it, level fifteen unlock. Is he I locked? I was gonna say he's locked. Yeah, he's right. one of the lock characters. Okay, well, at least you're locked. I didn't know Michael K. Williams was in this. Yes, he, he's the he... guy who does the narration at the beginning. Oh, like, oh he's, he's the one narrator. of the main I was, characters. Oh, I thought I thought you meant he was one of those classes. He played one of those. Well, characters. no, I mean he's one of those characters. You oh, can just but play he also narrates. Yeah, I see. I see. Uh, oh, do they get anybody else for it? I didn't there's know some other doing. actors, but like none of them have that profile. Okay. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about the setup for this game? It sucks shit. Like, the setup is <laughs> like. I mean, you know, anybody who's paid attention to the marketing probably already knows this, but like, it's literally, the setup is literally like, 
hey, climate change is here and it's destroying the world and like governments and states are collapsing left and right. Mm. And it's leaving all these mercs stateless, meaning they are not citizens of any nation anymore. The non-patriated, is that what it is? The, the, non- the non-pats. 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 Yeah, non-patriated. And so it's really uh, just boils down to U.S. versus Russia and whatever yeah. international thing you may have come from, you were fighting on one of those two sides. But I just, I, the, the bigger thing for me, though, is just like, I, you know, I... I don't know if I'm ready for the harsh reality of our of our coming future to be just like the <laughs> cavalier basis for the you know shooter video games yet the climate apocalypse as yeah. backdrop. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, it, it is a it is a vision of what. Hey, listen, if we maybe we need a couple more warning signs about what our, our in our fiction about what our climate apocalypse could be, but it is it is it's definitely not this. Weird. No, it's this not is, this. This is this is no. This is, it, Kind if you're going to do this, if you're going to make this your playground, the thing you cannot be is fucking corny, and it is <laughs> profoundly embarrassingly corny. Like, it is the the climate stuff, the way they use, like, the disasters, all the fucking, you know, non-patch shit, like, all of it is just, like, someone scribbled an idea on a whiteboard that said, what if climate, but shooty-shooty, and it's just, like, no one thought about it any harder than that. And it yeah. really, it, it, it just, it bums me the fuck out. I think the weather stuff on the maps is interesting. I think I think tying it to the climate apocalypse is probably the thing that is the is the disconnect for me. Like I think I think having weather events on a map makes it you know makes the map kind of dynamic and interesting, and that's something they've tried to do before with maps yeah. changing. Uh, but like they could have just as easily been like somebody made a weather machine. And yeah. you know, they, like this universe is, is not that. And I'll say again, it's not that I don't think you can do something like this. Like, I'm not saying that it's off the table, but I just think that the way they went about it, Dice is not the studio to come up with a thoughtful version of this. Like, their idea is we are making the Michael Bay shoot like war games that, you know, you you want. And that's <laughs> this tonally, this just does not work. The the other thing that it's probably does does not help that case, um, is that there is no campaign or story to back up what is happening. Yeah, I was right. shocked. Like maybe, you know, maybe if I'd been following the game closer, I would have known this, but I just assumed there would be some semblance of a campaign in there because they've done them for the last couple. Yeah. So you, you just kind of get dropped into abandoned city war zones. Like there's right, no, like, there's no setup for what happened to the rest of the world. It is like just, the, the, yeah. The entire preamble is a narrated intro and then a relatively short bot match. On one of the maps, and yeah. then here's the menu with the modes, and that's it. Yep. Yeah. So, so there is no. They don't have a. They don't even have an opportunity to try and set this up in a more with a more delicate touch. It is just, hey, here's like kind of like Alex said, your your climate apocalypse playground um, to kind of tool around in. It's especially because like the campaigns in one and five were like relatively well received, right? Like they were the little bars. I remember vin- little vignettes. Yeah, and they, and they like I think you're you're right. They did say coming into this, here are the three modes that we're going to have. There's not going to be a big campaign thing, but there's there are a lot of signs in this game. We didn't go into even a lot of the other issues that people who have been with Battlefield a lot have had um, yeah. in, in playing this game. And, and dude, it's just buggy. It, it just seems like it's, it could have been had been a longer delay, maybe in the development side. Again, I know game publishing and game development has a lot of external factors and a lot of stuff going into it, but it does seem like stuff is missing and it wasn't in a probably wasn't in a state. The developers wished it had been in. Yeah. To, to yeah. Go out the like I'm like, guessing you know, they just did not have a choice in this one. Like it had to get out this year. There was nothing that else they could do with it, but like, 
I don't know, man. Like, I I will say for my part, in the matches I've had, I've had a few disconnect issues, but I've not had any, like, of the really wild bug stuff that I've seen videos of floating around. But, like, like I- just the, it's just not, even just when that game feels like it's working the way it's supposed to, I'm just not getting that much out of it. Like, it just feels like the same kind of action I have been playing mm-hmm. in these types of games forever and it's not doing anything that novel or interesting. And in some cases, it feels like it's just doing a worse retread of that stuff. I, I had a bug. The worst I had was um, the pip that, you know, it's a bit, there are a lot of players on the map. So the pip that designates your allies, is like a little dot over their heads uh, oftentimes. And uh, it wasn't showing up repeatedly mm-hmm. on on teammates and I allies also had that. Yes. And, and so everybody just turns around and starts you know unloading on somebody who is just kind of like standing there and, they, <laughs> yeah. and they, why, is, why is this person not going down also yeah. why are they not killing me oh they're on my team yeah they're on my team which is just you know it's unsettling in a firefight yeah. right yeah. like uh yes. and that was maybe the worst they had aside from some just really goofing ragdolling and falling through the world stuff, which, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've, I've run into that one. I got halfway through a conquest match once went down. And when you go down, you can either hit square to request a revive or hit yeah. X to skip the revive and just go back to redeploy. I got stuck in that animation and it wouldn't let me do either one of those things. So my guy just sat there writhing on the ground for as long as I let it run. Cause I wanted to see what was going to happen as people ran <laughs> over top of me fighting over the control point until it finally booted me from the match for inactivity. So I, I saw somebody going back and forth with another person in the text chat. You know, Cause I turned off um, cross play uh, because I don't think I needed to even, Oh, you did. I did. I did. not. And you're still, compete. and you're still getting text chat. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I guess it may have keyboard support on PS5. Actually, I don't know uh, because there's no voice chat in that game. Yes. Uh, you know, so the how is the, that possible? So somebody was complaining about that bug in, in, in that voice chat. I don't know how that. I understand the. I understand if you're going to make that, and you're like most people are using third party or 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 uh, the party platform, with their friends. Yeah, platform level voice chat. I get it. But when you have a mode that replies on synchronizing with your teammates, um, like that Intel mode, yeah, and you're in a small yes. squad, that seems like a, a huge omission. Like that made me not play that with randoms because it seemed impossible. Yes, has, it has its own. Yes, it breaks you out into teams of four. And if all four of you go down, that's it. You're done. Like, like I said, the one time I got into that match and it worked, it lasted about 90 seconds because all four of us got smoked rapidly and that was just it. Yeah. Damn. So if, I mean, I yeah. Listen, I will play that if my if, if now my brother's listening to this podcast, one who get this game, which already leading up to this, my older brother was like, "Dude, have you heard the early stuff on Battlefield 2042? Maybe we we're not getting into this." Hmm. And I I had not followed it that much, but now I kind of get some of it. But um, you know, I will play in a party chat on the PlayStation. Yeah, uh, Hazard Zone seems like it would be fun with with friends, especially because it's only four man or four player squads. So. Yeah. So it shouldn't be that hard to find three people. To but play. uh, but then not having voice chat for random play in there seems like that would be, uh, at the very least, a huge handicap to that squad. Uh, you know, and, yes. And then inviting somebody into a PlayStation chat is not something I would do. Uh, I, I would I would not PlayStation chat with randoms. You know, I would do yep. the no. you know, the very least. I would do the, or probably the most I would do is the in-game chat. So it, it yeah. seems like a weird omission. They said they're going to try and get to it, but not even by launch. Or yeah, so it. so I I did leave crossplay on, which is why I assumed I'm getting so much text chat because there's a bunch of people on their PCs with keyboards. But 
I only got it that one time in one match. Pretty much every Conquest match I have played has featured people complaining about bugs in that Mm. text chat for a significant portion of it. Like, it's in a way, it's been helpful to see people talking about the same issues I'm running into and knowing that those are known issues and it's not just me, right? Yeah, for sure. I like again. I, I didn't. I wasn't too buggy. Most of my thing. Most of my criticisms with that game are, am trying to convince myself I'm having a good time until something really interesting does happen. Like again, there are things that are amazing that are happening in that world because there's so much happening at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but then, um, you know, there's a long stretches where I'm just getting spawning, getting p- picked off, spawning. I mean, that's a battlefield yeah. experience. Yes. Uh, I think those hovercrafts are, are maybe too much sometimes. Like those things, those things just circle around you and they, mm-hmm. they just pick you off. They're fun to be in. Uh, they're not fun to be on the opposite side of people park them on the zones, which are also, you know, fun or annoying. Um, I, the progression and upgrade system in it, like a lot is locked. Almost everything's locked up. So like you start, you come in there, you get one base weapon kind of in each category and that's it with pretty minimal attachments and you've got to work to get those other weapons. And also it seems pretty sparse. I'm going to say, I think there's like three handguns, like three handguns and maybe three or four in each category right now, which is not a ton. Maybe there's more in the attachments that, um, that flesh that out, but looking over that unlock list did not seem that deep for stuff. And I did not feel too incentivized to really, I don't know. It just, it it, like, I didn't feel too incentivized to go jump around and try different stuff. Like Mm -hmm. it, it just like, I found a loadout that seemed to basically work for me. Uh, and then I use that a lot. And then at some point I was like, let me try the SMG because I'm doing a lot of up close work here. And, uh, you know, that seems to be where this stuff is. Then I was kind of like, let me try it far away and try that. And I went back to the SMG. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of like the wingsuit. That's fun, but I don't use it that much. So maybe I'll just switch off of that character. Like you cannot beat a good wingsuit. Wingsuit's fun. I like jumping off the building with a wingsuit yeah, and like, who doesn't like, to, who doesn't like the wingsuit flying around? I, I just, a lot of the things in there. The game, and I should state, I'm not, I've never been great at these games, but I have had fun in these games. But a lot of the things in there seem like they are set up for a slower paced combat arena, like that shield thing that you can deploy, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, you could deploy this thing, but like, you better be uh, careful. Guys aren't going to just gonna come from a tank behind you by the time you deploy it or just get shot from the side. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's there are moments again that are super fun. There's buildings with elevators in them, right? That was- waiting to ask if you guys have played that South Korea city map that has some of the, some of the control points on top of gigantic yeah. skyscrapers. No, like, I haven't because they keep funneling me into the fucking Antarctic map. Like I got that four times in a row last so night. I, so I have not seen that one, but I've gotten the South Korea map repeatedly. It's because um, Alex keeps taking your spot in it. Um, but those, the F1 and F2 points are on top of like 80 f- floor skyscrapers. And yes, you have to, I'm sure you can, you can, there are certain aerial vehicles that would get you up there faster if you can manage to get in one. Right. But also you can just take an elevator from the ground floor. And why wouldn't the other team that is holding the the point on the roof, just stand there waiting for the elevator to open and just waste you the second the doors open, which is exactly what happens. So yeah, I did that and I was on both sides of that. And it was, I'll say it was pretty fun to rush out of the (laughs) elevator with guys with shields 
Yeah. Were like okay, pushed, that sounds fun. Pushed out and like we yeah. took the spot and then we did the same thing on the other side and they did the same thing <laughs> pushed out. That, and like That sounds all, kind of fun. Yeah. Like, we it, all threw it's an interesting idea. in the elevator. Um, it's, it, that, I, I found that to be an interesting idea as much as it was kind of a pain in the ass, like waiting to take that elevator up there and then just dying instantly. But yeah, it's, the, like putting the control points in weird places like that is like kind of fun. It's fun. I, you know, you can raise the bridges on that one map. The I forget which one that is, but there's like a, another city where you can like tactically go around try and raise all the bridges up one of the guys has an ability that can hack vehicles but can also lower uh can can lower those bridges remotely like that stuff's pretty fun they have those little smart cars on the map sometimes that are like hardly moving yes. at all yes uh, or also a little like the boston dynamics little like dog robots yeah, running around all yeah. over the place which is really creepy uh so again i think there are i think there's fun to be had there i, I think it needs it needs a lot of refinement. Some, yeah, it needs some like tune-up. It, it feels like it needed another six months in the hopper. So we'll we'll see where this Did gets you, by the, the even if know. even if they get it there, I think I'm at a point where I'm just like yeah, it is reminding done. me that I have never been a big battlefield player <laughs> and this is not doing anything to change my yeah, mind. Yeah, like it, it it might be telling that I the the thing I'm the most interested in going back to potentially is the is the portal stuff. So it's I like, did, oh yeah, I did love Battle of the Bulge back in the day. I would play that map some more, sure. And you know, it's what it's had got me questioning classic. some of the player size. Yeah, because it's basically yeah. just uh, uh, classic maps that you're like, yeah. I, th- I think it's like it's something. It's like two maps per right. It's like there's two from 1942. There's two from I think Bad Company two, and then I think that's right. And then three and four, I think, are the ones that are in there right now. Is that right? Is four in there? I forget I think, if four. Is I in think there. I saw that there's some four stuff in there. Uh, it's. It's fun. I played the what was it VIP Fiesta was one of the yes ones VIP that, Fiesta is the one they're advertising, uh, which I enjoyed. I didn't. The, the problem I had with the portal stuff was if you go into the browser, there might be interesting stuff in there, but there's like two or three people in per map of like oh here's a player it's a sixty four player count one hundred twenty eight and it's like three people are in there. I I got confused by that yes because I I went straight to nineteen forty two because that's still the only battlefield that I truly love and. Uh, it, yeah, it seemed like it was like four on four or something. Like it was probably probably more than that, but the player count did not seem big. Like the VIP Fiesta stuff was was four on four, and that was fun. But the when you go to the browser, I, I wanted to see the weird mashup stuff, right? Like all medics versus you know all that stuff. But then you know it's not fun when you have a sixty four player count and it's like three people in a map. Like yes. Do you know Do you know how to make those modes? Do you have to make those I, external to the game? Because I, I could not find to like make that on the PC. Yeah, like I dug around and I could not find like a mode editor. Yeah, you can make it. You can make a server. You can host the server. Yes, you can host and you can have like a list of favorites. Yes, but, but and and there's all these ways to get modes in there, like scanning QR codes yes. and, and punching in like an alphanumeric code. So it must be a, an editor. I, I didn't dig yeah. into it too much. Um, I assume it's on a website or something. Yeah, but you know, it was fun to go back into those other modes and uh, on a PS5 version of the game. And like, like I said, I had a lot of fun in that VIP Fiesta mode, and like we did pretty well. And that was, you know, it's basically like you know, you're the VIP, go get the VIP. Pretty quick, small map stuff, which again made me think like maybe 128 was maybe that's just too many damn people. Yeah, on a map. yeah, I'm torn. Uh, I'm kind of torn too. Like it's when the chaos is again everything's going sideways and backwards and it is there are so many times i would just running and a plane just falls out of the sky on a tank or something that was trying to get me and like that's like that's just amazing dumbness Mm -hmm. uh and you have to couple that with for every one of those there's like 10 times where i feel like i wasted about 10 minutes you know 
uh, trying to get somewhere or I just, you know, ran, ran about a minute and a half to get up to this staircase and just didn't see a guy or, you know, whatever. And that's just those yeah. games. So. Yeah. As, as we move on from battlefield 2042, I am, I just have to Google whether it's still possible to play battlefield 1942. I bet it is possible. I'm not sure. Maybe. Surely there is a server somewhere. Uh, maybe. Like, are I'll they selling it new? I hey, probably not. No, no, no. I'll, absolutely not. I'll hey, I'll, I'll do my own research. All right. Yeah. And, do and, your own research. Yeah. Do your Look own into research. It. Uh, speaking of research, now that I've played a bunch of it, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go dig in and go see what people are thinking. About. I've tried to avoid a little bit of or the majority of that stuff, uh, but. It seems like as I was looking up preparing for this podcast, at least people who are pretty into Battlefield are not super hot on it right now. Yeah, no. yes, I have not seen a lot of positivity anywhere. Like I said, even the voice chat in the game is pretty chock full. Of and I don't stuff. know how much salt to take that with. You know, are people just? I I agree with you because it feels like every single Battlefield release is marked by a ton of yeah. complaints. So um, I'll check in our, our Discord and, and see what people think in there. You know, and I'd, I'd like to know if this is you know how much stuff is serious big stuff and changes because I, I saw a lot of people complaining about the way they changed the specialist too and uh you know i just don't know enough about battlefield to know how huge a deal that is you know that is you know team composition and and coordinating a team so right uh, I, i'd like to hear some some people who played a lot of those games in serious ways i've always played them to get in the helicopters and crash them uh with my family not to, yeah not to win a match family that crashes together uh that's help move, me out here moves on to things like a ghost recon and mm. uh other uh games that we probably should spend different time in uh mm-hmm. outriders which i guess outriders is not, this isn't in the news but i think outriders is getting dlc did you guys yes see, see that? sure <laughs> why not uh, time to go back well, to Vinny, is your just to go back to this for a second yeah. Vinny, is your brother not interested or your family not interested in getting into halo multiplayer they don't have xboxes so we we went PCs? we went PCs. Was, um, you know they both don't have a great PC. I mean, listen, video cards are fucking expensive. And, no one and, is denying that. No. Yeah. So like, um, I would probably, if all things being equal, so they're both on PS4 right now, and um, and my I just had a conversation with my older brother about he was like, you know, I was thinking about getting uh, a Pro or you know, which is apparently sold out also. Oh or, yeah, yeah, or a PS5, yeah, everything. Um, and he's like, I guess I'm not getting anything. Uh, people, so, people are people are paying like retail prices for used Xbox Ones and stuff like that. Yeah, at this so point. like, like it's crazy. God. So at this point, nobody's getting anything. Yeah, uh, fair but enough. I wonder if we're gonna have a serious sit down conversation. <laughs> Should we move over to the Xbox? Because <laughs> let me tell you about this Game Pass. So they got, they both got Game Pass. Both my brothers got Game Pass because there's a, another one of those ridiculous promotions for Game Pass. That's like mm. you know. One dollar for yes. whatever, so they could play Age of Empires because you know oh, it's something sure. we all played growing up and we mm-hmm. wanted to try it. Uh, but there was also talk of like, will their PCs run Age of Empires? So it is you know that about that level of right of PC. My older brother's you know side. I mean, PC stuff is expensive. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, like I, Halo's worth a shot. Like I, you know, it runs on a regular Xbox One. I would imagine it scales down. The PC version probably scales down pretty well. Yeah. I wonder. Uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll bring it up to them to see if they can at least you know they'll have it on Game Pass on the yeah. PC so or Steam they usually grab it on Steam for free. Yeah, yeah. So maybe to try it out, but I I don't have. It's a t- it's a tougher sell. 
I'm not sure if we're running anything that is like a, my older brother I should ask him if he even has a, um, not built in graphics card. Oh, <laughs> it probably does not run on integrated graphics. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to ask him. Uh, he might, I'll have to ask him, but like, you know, it's not going to be like a 2000 series or like 3000. Um, so that's battlefield. That is halo Two two interesting. I wonder what EA is looking at being like, yo man, did you have to, <laughs> did you, did, could did you have you, waited a little? Hey, hey just, I know some shareholders you can ask. <laughs> just like a week, maybe like, uh, because it really draws, they're very different games. Uh, but if you're talking about bang for my buck in terms of the fun factor, like I'll jump into halo, I think, and have some fun in there. And battlefield seems like a little more during my time with battlefield was when I was like, I think I'd rather just jump back into halo. So yes, I am like says, kind of itching to play some more halo after this. And uh, I'm super eager to go back to battlefield. Uh, but, uh, uh, another game has come out recently. Uh, to to kind of cap off our trilogy of blast from the past, yes, our, yes, mm-hmm. our, our turn of the century retrospective here, uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto: The Trilogy, uh, the Definitive Edition. Uh, this is Grand Theft Auto Three, Vice City, and uh, San Andreas. These are and definitively these yeah. games. That's, yeah, yep, they sure are. We've talked a decent amount of it in the news section about the run up to this stuff, but it is out. Yeah. Um, Alex, you probably played maybe the most of it. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I played some of all three. Um, probably played a little bit more of Vice City and San Andreas than three, but I have at least got a couple of hours into all of them. And um, so I will just say for my part, uh, in playing on the PlayStation 5, while I have seen some bugs and some problems, uh, specifically, God, those rain effects uh, in HDR are a nightmare. <laughs> I have not had the wild-ass stuff that people have been... Uh, throwing around in clips uh, online, some of which have proved to be bugs that were already in the original GTAs uh, that just somehow made their way into these versions. Yeah, the the one I've seen the most attention on was that weird car bug where the, the flat, car big car changes size. I guess yeah, and the tires like blow out and some weird shit. Apparently, that is a bug from existing Grand Theft Auto Three, which to me is kind of awesome. <laughs> Like, yeah, the code is still is, there. That is fascinating that bugs that were in the original, because these things were ported to Unreal Engine. Like, who knows what is running inside of what mm, yeah. under the hood on these things. So knowing that enough of the original game logic and so forth is in there to reproduce these bugs well, kind of fucking rules. We'll get to it in the news section, but I think there's a way for you to find out what is yeah, running under the hood. Yes, if you <laughs> yeah. backed up your install before, let's say, last Thursday, but, you uh, might still have some of that. In terms of the playable versions that are out uh, now on, on the PS5, they 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 play okay. I think like I played I played um, Vice City. Yeah, um, they seem to handle okay. I mean, yeah. I think the aesthetic is going to be, huh? It's different. Like it is. It's a different aesthetic. It, it is smoother. Yeah. yeah, it feels like, and I, I, we've talked about this before, but like it really feels like someone said, what if we made the characters look like those, you know, concept art, key art versions of all the characters and just, just go in that direction. And they got some of the way there, yeah. yeah, but not far enough to actually not make it look like you just kind of mutated the old models in a weird way. Okay, so let me ask, because you've played all of them here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've mostly been playing San Andreas. Did 3 get the most of that treatment? Because that's kind of what it looked like to me. Like, it seems like 3 got the most of the models 
Yeah, I mean, three is certainly kinda... the roughest of all of them if you try to go back to them, and it feels like they did the most work there right. to try and Cause... make those characters more, like, like pop more. Okay, because San Andreas, a lot, a lot of San Andreas so far for me has just been like, oh, this is kind of what I remember this looking like, except in 1080p. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, like Claude, the the GTA protagonist, the GTA 3 one, barely had a face in the original game. Like, right. he just kind of had one little weird grimace, and that was kind of it. Yeah. Um. So going back to these games, it just, just irrespective of the technical stuff, which we'll get into in a second, I can tell you right now, anyone who boots up GTA 3 at this point is going to say, oh, this is interesting for about an hour, and then realize, oh, God, this is such a rough sketch of what these games turned into mm. that I think as a historical curiosity, it's interesting, but it is definitely the game that has suffered the most over time. Vice City... The vibes are still pretty immaculate, you know, like you go, you get in there, they drop you right into that storyline. It is just straight up. Here's the cocaine 80s in all its glory. And, you know, like the parts that look kind of fucked up aside, I feel like the, the vibes are still there. Like, I'm still enjoying I'm still enjoying the story. I still, you know, the performances are with the cast they had, I would hope so. But the performances are some of the best in the series. And then San Andreas not everything about that game, I think, holds up super well, but it is a really good opening set of that game. Like, when they're kind of introducing you to, you know, San Andreas, they're introducing you to, you know, your crew. Like, just kind of getting into that early 90s hip-hop vibe. Like, a lot of that stuff works. It's when, and again, I, I haven't played enough of it to actually get to those parts, but what I remember is when you start getting to... San Francisco and Vegas and getting the jetpack and all this other shit starts happening. It kind of goes off the rails, but you know, it's it, like, I think that game is still much more interesting certainly than three is. And unfortunately I just don't know how many people are actually going to get there because if you are playing these versions, I have to imagine at some point you were going to look at that and be like, what if I just busted out my PS2 and I didn't have to deal with the bullshit in this? Well, I, you know, it's probably a, probably a decent amount of people who just this might be their first exposure to some of these games, and or they I, or they don't have a PS2 around it. Yeah, I, like and I wonder if um, I mean there is the PC versions though. I guess they stopped selling those. Yes, they took those. They did delisted those off of Steam. I I meant to grab them and missed it by like a day. Yeah, I but, bought that collection ages ago, and then I don't know if I've ever actually booted up those PC versions, but I have them. Yeah, they pulled the pulled the originals off of Steam and so forth. I think like a monthish before this came out. Like, there's um, maybe if I'm misremembering, please fill in the gaps here. But uh, going back, it reminded me that these games were the side missions were just less mature and very silly. Like, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't mean like immature, like oh fart humor, but though there's some of that. I just mean in terms of like setup and you know goals. Like it's like, hey, go here, punch this guy three times, and then right. get back in your car and move on. Like here's um, a motorcycle race that happens while a guy yells at you. you yeah, know? go 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 spray your gang tag over all these ballas. Yeah, yeah, there was like there was a lot that. of there was a lot of quantity over quality stuff in, in those and, and fleshing yes. them out. Uh, and that I think later on in the GTA series, they have really. They still have really silly side missions, but a lot of the missions are a little more intricate, a little more mature in their in their writing. Well, by the, by the time they got to the 360 era and GTA 4, they were very bought in in we are telling crime narratives. Mm -hmm. We are no longer just making silly open world bullshit, though we are still doing that around the narratives. But we are we are going all the way in on we are the storytellers of this video game generation and we are going to fucking go whole hog on that shit. 
And, you know, they have been successful with that, and they have been less successful with that. Uh, GTA 5, I'm looking at you. But, you know, like, I again, I think these games are really interesting as curiosities. I think if, if you have never played them before, if you've never really experienced this era of GTA, the era that's really kicked off Rockstar's, uh, you know, really brought them to the place that they are in the yeah. industry... And why everybody made open world games. Yeah, yes. like it is a, they're fascinating in that regard. I think that unfortunately they have put the, the developers that made this was it, uh, Grove Street is the studio they called it. Uh, Wait, is it really? I believe it is, but uh, like it was another <laughs> studio ridiculous. that they bought to come in and do ports and remasters, I think. Sure. And I don't know what happened here. I know, I imagine at some point someone said, there's a 20 year anniversary, we have to hit it. That's fine. But it's but doing that for three games at once and versions that have to run on different hardware all over the place, not to mention also versions that have frame rate and, you know, like fidelity modes, which, by the way, the difference between those just play in the frame rate mode, for God's sakes, the fidelity mode barely does anything. It does not. I think it's just just higher resolution. Yeah, it's 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 kind of pointless but fidelity fidelity modes by and large are basically just 4k at this point like if people really want to play in native 4k here it is but otherwise frame rate's pretty good i'll tell you right now running that game in native 4k on a ps5 you cannot tell the fucking difference <laughs> between that and the frame rate mode other than the frame rate so yeah. but um, god it's just it just feels like they set themselves up to lose here by trying to do too much at once if they had just focused on hey we're doing gta 3 and then we're going to do the other ones down the road that would have that might have gone better. I don't know, but like it just feels like they spread themselves too thin here, and they ended up in a situation where they are putting out inferior versions of these games, despite the fact that they do run in a higher fidelity. Yeah, like I'm I'm of two minds about some of that stuff. Like you you don't you don't have to go far on Twitter to find a bunch of side by side comparisons of like here's this this character's original appearance. Here's what it looks like in this remaster. Also, by the way. Here's what some modders did with that character for free, which yeah. looks way better than what's in this. And also, those modders may have gotten cease and desist notice at some point. Right. Like, like for people who revere these games, and there are people who, like, grew up with these and really, like, they are very meaningful games to them. Like, I get the disappointment or the frustration there when you see that stuff by side, side by side. But, like, if I see that character in the, in the game in a vacuum, like, I'm never going to know the difference, right? Right. Like, it's like just, it's just going to look remember. like a weird game. Mm-hmm. Right, like there are parts where it's like, oh, that you know, that model is maybe not as nicely done as it could be, or like some of these textures. I mean, there are some pretty bad conversions of things in there. Like, yeah. there's some really dumb side by side stuff in there that's not great. But but you have to assume like it's like kind of like Alex was saying, the scope of this thing and the scale of this thing. You 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 kind of take you you make a tool that does its work. And it's not going to do it well on everything. You go in, you punch up the the characters that you're going to see the most, right? You go and spend a little bit more time on those characters, but you can't possibly get all the characters. So you you kind of just have to let the algorithm do its weird deformation and smoothing and whatever it's doing in there. And hope those some of those characters <laughs> don't appear in cutscenes, so you yeah, don't have to go in and manually right. tweak them, or be like, but, oh, we didn't have time to go in and fix this one up. But there, there, there's stuff in there, on the other hand, that is like fascinating to me on a meta level. Stuff like that car bug that is in yeah. there from the original game, or like when we were using cheat codes on that stream on Friday, and uh, oh, it was it was a plane. You took that VTOL plane in San Andreas and flew like straight up in the sky. So they've removed the fog from this game that they used to have in there to hide the draw distance, right? Because the draw distance isn't an issue anymore. So now, if you fly all the way up there, you can see the entire fucking game all at once, mm-hmm. like. Fake San Francisco, fake Las Vegas, and fake Los Angeles all connected to each other in one giant map. And it looks like weird and mechanical in a really fascinating way. 
We did not like, try and, and land in one of the other maps. I wonder because they usually they they kind of get you off from that stuff with broken bridges or anything like that. I, yeah, I don't know what they would do there, but I, I looked it up and confirmed that is the entire game. That is all three cities that are technically all connected to each other. You just couldn't tell in the original game. It's so like, wild. Like seeing behind the curtain on stuff like that is yeah. kind of awesome to me. Well, we'll talk about uh, maybe that curtain coming back a little too much later yeah. on in the news uh, and what what was left in that game, maybe intentionally mm. or unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, oh, actually, I, I we, we should just mention that stuff now. I meant to. Uh, yeah, they pulled it from sale. <laughs> the yeah. PC version they pulled from sale for some days because they left a bunch of stuff in the game, like, including of, like, scripting files, like evidence of hot coffee mechanics. Um, developers notes like commenting yes like a bunch of code with like original comments in it like I love reading like cursy old source code comments of just like ah this shit's fucking broken we're just gonna do this work around here set this flag Mm. while this runs whatever like that stuff's fun also apparently all of the licensed music they didn't actually have licenses for anymore was still in there it was just disabled in the game yeah but all of those songs were still in the game install I mean that on its own makes a certain amount of sense because if you are potentially hoping to like reactivate that stuff with new licenses down the road, you would want that stuff in there, but also you don't want that to be accessible by anyone who is going to mod the shit out of those. You know, people are going to find that stuff at this point or who knows what checks, you know, are running on boot or on load or on something to make sure those files uh, exist somewhere that yeah, it might crash something. If it doesn't know that those things are there, probably, probably a lot easier to just disable them than move them all together. Right, I will say there's a there's a very funny thing that was going around earlier this week of a quote from Strauss Elnick around the cyberpunk launch where he very specifically talks a bunch of yang about how these kinds of launches are not good for the industry. People should not be rushing out games. And then, well, here we are with this fucking thing. Why their, their marquee trilogy fucking coming out in this state. Why was Strauss Zelnick commenting publicly on the launch of somebody else's game? I'm sure it's it was really during weird. an investor call and someone asked, like, you know, something oh, about sure. that stuff. But, sure, like, sure. whatever the case, like, it's just very funny. I, that is, yeah. I would also like to take a second and remind or remind us all uh-huh. that even, even their from the ground up games, like Red Dead 2. Uh, launch with bug like weird. Oh yeah, the weird HDR stuff. was like, it's, it's legendarily just, broken well, that, in that like, game. H- horses bugging out or riding yeah. like, like these yeah. are complicated systems. The and online was, systems. Yeah, I mean that kind of stuff is really just endemic to that style of you know the open world jank is a cliche for a reason. Yeah, right? and I I am not here to forgive that stuff. I am definitely not like I am not one to say like oh like Fallout stuff is. I'm not one to say you can't make those games without having that that trade off. I think I think there are, that stuff can really hinder an experience but it it is i it's not just this remake like those games are just inherently yeah there's there's <laughs> like built-in rickety, that is right? legacy like there's, like, there's yeah. some rickety stuff in there that's like uh you know this might have been you might boot up gta 6 and, and have a car uh, bug out and, and freak out on you um who knows but oh yeah. it does I just, make I, for, for uh some heated heated social media huh yeah yeah, I just I, th- I think it's interesting to have access to these games in this way again, just to go back and view them as historical curiosities and realize how much their production values have improved over the years. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even San Andreas, the newest one of these just feels like. For lack of a better word, kind of lifeless in spots where it's like it's just like the world is not populated with like background sounds and like foot traffic and yeah. stuff in the way that their later games really are like 
GTA 5 and Red Dead 2 in particular. Well, and San Andreas, I think, suffers the most in that regard because they redid a lot of Liberty City for 4. Whereas San Andreas, like, people have been playing GTA 5 for almost a decade now. They have been in right. that world for almost a decade. That is the version of San Andreas people remember and know. So you go back to that San Andreas version and it's just like, oh god, this is like such a sketch of what they ended up doing. Right. Right, like the their more recent games are just so much more ambitious and evolved than this. It's like an interesting comparison. But the other thing is that also these games were coming out on a much more frequent scale yeah. back mm. then. Like when yes. GTA Three was two thousand one, Vice City yeah. was 2003? two thousand three, two or two. two. Yeah, and so then like, San Andreas was like two thousand four. Like those, like three and Vice City, I think are like eighteen months apart or something. Yeah, like that. and they're PlayStation Two games. Yes, PlayStation Two. I do not believe this will be the last we see of these games. Yeah, we'll are see. you saying these are not, fa- in fact, the definitive editions? They, they will for, forever now be the definitive editions, but yeah. I think we will, uh, after we did that stream uh, and we kind of talked about, will we see more of these? Folks were quick to remind me of all the work modders have done, all the work like weird oh, yeah, a- yeah. AI, semi-realistic and true realistic stuff is doing out there. So, I think we'll get some AI pass on these. That's like, whoa, they took, you know, nobody wants to see what San Andreas's game would have looked like with photorealistic uh, uh, graphics and characters. And I think the nightmares will continue to come uh, in official releases and in modded releases. Yeah. Yeah. Modders are definitely digging in there as we speak. Yeah. Now that all the code is there too. Um all right, should we get into that stuff? Maybe we take a break here. Is yeah. there any, any other games uh, folks no. want to mention? No, this I, I have been playing a lot of Forza Horizon 5 over the last week. I continue to enjoy that game. I would just like to briefly say something here before we uh, we move on from it. In my discussion of Spotify and that mm-hmm. game, a bunch of people pointed out to me that uh, the consoles do have Spotify support. You can run spotify app in the background and run your own music and it will mute the in-game music uh, oh interesting. actually no it, it doesn't mute it by default you have to go in and mute it but that's the th- okay that's the thing i didn't think it integrated with the game the way that man like the 360 custom soundtrack stuff was so goddamn cool i don't know why they didn't just keep doing that i know and the thing i wanted to say here is that i know about that support and i've used it in the past but i don't like what i'm talking about is software level like i want right. someone in there to be like hey Label a playlist Forza, and we will la- we'll put this right. into the game. It will mix within the audio of the game. Like that's that's what that stuff was on the 360. Yeah. Was the games were aware of your music in such a way that they they would play them for you instead of their right. own in a really seamless just, way. It wasn't yeah. just parallel to the game. Right. It was right. right. Like I tried doing that today, and it's like yes, it's great having my own playlist play, but also the radio keeps turning on in that game whenever right. I I go into a new mission, and it's just like I this is not what I'm looking for. Uh, all right. Well, Halo Infinite Halo. multiplayer beta game of the week. <laughs> I would out, agree. Out now. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. If you uh, are on a PC or an Xbox, you should check that out. And you're interested in some multiplayer fun or interested in the Halo universe. Go check that out for sure. Uh, December 8th for the full release on that Battlefield 2042. Curious to know what Battlefield uh, aficionados are thinking on this one. I am mixed. Alex, it sounds like you're kind of out. Brad, are you still on the fence? I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go back in and play some more of it. Like I said, when it, when it's, when it's firing and the chaos is happening, I'm enjoying that. But I think there's, there's downtime and frustration in it where it's, um, I don't know. They're long sessions. Sometimes those battles. 
a land of contrasts. Let's yeah. say we didn't we didn't actually mention we should have mentioned that it's technically still in the early access phase. That's true. Like it's it's technically you know the super expensive ultimate edition or whatever are the people playing it. Yes, actual but that version launch. of early access is not actual early access. Uh, no, I mean yes, it's just an early launch. I mean uh, the actual technical launch is Friday the nineteenth. Yes. Uh, the end of this week, but like how much is going to change in the next 48 hours? Not voice chat. But, but technically it's still mm, early, early launch, but that's true. If I come back to it, it's going to be at least a month or two from now. Cause it needs time to just bake a little more. Yeah. A little more time in the oven on that one, I think would help. And then, uh, grand theft auto maybe was a little too long in the oven. <laughs> something mm-hmm. happened there. I don't know. Or not long enough. Hard to say. <laughs> Some, are, something, are, somehow it is both over and <laughs> underbaked. Um, uh, that's a tough one to make anybody happy with. They tried to put out the definitive edition, but, um, you know, those games were, those games were of a time. And, uh, I think we've like, we, uh, you guys have both mentioned historical pieces of interest. So, uh, an interesting release on the Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, uh, out now. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back to circle back around on at least one of those stories again and much, much more. So stick around. We'll be back soon. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> It's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander, rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. This week's show is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Alex Navarro, Brad Shoemaker. You're not going to walk out of the house naked, right? Not if I can help it. You're going to put your VPN on first. Yeah, of course. Of course. One leg at a time, like I always do. (laughs) ExpressVPN is the easiest way to browse safely, securely, and just better. I just use ExpressVPN. I was away on a trip. I've had ExpressVPN for a couple of years here. When I got on that hotel Wi-Fi, I slipped right into ExpressVPN. One click, very easy. Get in there, and then I was able to access 
the internet, let's say. What what are you doing on that vacation there? I I had to access my GitHub account, Uh and I was doing some coding, and then I used my ExpressVPN and then VPNed into my home computer. Likely story. Uh Uh-huh. And then uh, I watched, uh, you know, I watched uh, some videos, uh, you know, and it's fast enough. That's what they all say. It's got great speeds. It was connected very easily. I was even able to stream in HD problemless on the hotel Wi-Fi. And they didn't know it. They didn't know a damn thing. Says here you can connect to ExpressVPN and you won't even realize you have it on, which I can vouch for. It's pretty seamless. So right now, go to expressvpn.com slash nextlander and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash nextlander to get three extra months of ExpressVPN. expressvpn.com slash nextlander. Thanks, ExpressVPN. And we are back, and it is time for the news. Happiest place on earth, video game news. Only good news around here. Oh, fantastic. I was worried we were going to get another, like, giant Activision downer block or something. Mm, no, nope, nothing like that here this week. Like, something like, oh, it just got even worse, and uh, uh, they've dug deeper, and this whole thing has ripped open some more horrible, horrible, festering uh, uh, truths about what maybe happened inside there. So yes, good, yes. so good. I'm glad we are going to just avoid it for today. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Hang on. Uh, the Earth appears to be opening up. Oh, Okay, and that's always a good sign. And it is apparently vomiting. trying to swallow Bobby Kotick. It is vomiting forth more news about Bobby Kotick and the goings-on around him. Well, what, what has, what, what has uh, Terra Firma uh, uh, spit up today? I feel like this Wall Street Journal headline from this giant piece they ran yesterday pretty much says it all. Yes. Activision CEO Bobby Kotick knew for years about sexual misconduct allegations at Video Game Giant. Oh, well, let's set this up, I guess, for folks that are just tuning in. Oh, boy. Bobby. Oh, that's going to take, take an entire episode's worth. So <laughs> Bobby yeah. is the CEO of Activision, a company which is under investigation for all sorts of uh, um, alleged misconduct and uh, uh, mistreatment and uh, negligence and unfair practices by a lot. I, Let's say a, a number of, of people <laughs> in high positions at both Activision and Blizzard. Yeah, and is under investigation and under suit by uh, uh, governments and people and shareholders. Yeah, multiple multiple government yeah. bodies investigating and suing Activision. A minor shareholder revolt taking place now. Yeah, so um, so the Bobby stuff is is new for what reason, Brad? It's like, interesting. What? Well, this is the giant Wall Street Journal expose that mm-hmm. they have investigated by talking to a bunch of people involved and viewing documents, communications, etc. It's interesting reading this, seeing the narrative is shifting to Activision and not just Blizzard anymore. Mm, right. In fact, in fact, some of the people involved in this situation are kind of low-key accusing him of sort of pinning all the blame on Blizzard. Interesting. As a, as a way of deflecting it from the rest of Activision. Because, like, I mean, my read on that is, like, you know, Blizzard Blizzard had a famously independent culture for a very long time, right? Like, the old guard that ran that place liked to talk quite a bit about how much they were still their own thing despite being part of this giant company. So, like, 
That was probably a convenient way for him to keep at arm's length all the cultural issues that are now coming to light and kind of be like, hey, they're their own, they're their own thing, you know? Like, we were over here running Activision while they were doing their whatever. Yeah. But in fact, this stuff is about goings-on at Sledgehammer, at Treyarch, on Bobby Kotick's private jet. <laughs> like, it is very clear that all of this culture was much more endemic to the whole of Activision and, uh, than it was just at Blizzard. And to get into some of the specifics here, uh, Bobby Kotick, you know, and just the things he has actually done or accused of being done here... Uh, one of them involved straight up calling a personal assistant and threatening to kill her. Yeah, which, or have her killed, I think. Or have her killed, I believe is the phrase they used. Yes. Uh, there was definitely some some harassment stuff in there. There were specifics about him covering up allegations at Treyarch uh, and at Sledgehammer, uh, or at the very least not informing people that he was supposed to inform about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not, not passing it along. I mean, allegations including allegations of rape. So yes. Yeah. Some, some pretty I mean, very serious stuff. stuff. Like a lot of disclosures he did not make to the board, but like more more damningly, like there are accusations in here that he intervened to keep people on the payroll who not only had been accused of all kinds of grievous stuff, but like in one case, an investigation recommended this person be fired. Uh, and, and instead they, I believe that was uh, Dan Bunting at Treyarch, who yes, was actually was. Just, just left Treyarch. Who left, like I believe, in, in the wake of the Wall Street yes, Journal calling them and, up for this story. In, in the wake of the investigation for this this very story. But uh, but yeah, that is that isn't a case where explicitly they say that Bobby Kotick intervened to keep him on staff uh, after uh, an, an internal investigation recommended that he be fired for sexual harassment. So uh, his hands are <laughs> not that anybody thought his hands were clean to begin with, but. Well, so, I will, so, so one of the, the stranger and I guess maybe more perfect details of all of this is the detail in there that that god awful email that went out in the first wake of this stuff where that was attributed to Fran Townsend, uh, the former Bushman person that is is working there now. Apparently, Bobby Kotick wrote that email himself, an email that he then had a week later to come back and be like, this was tone deaf. We right. missed the mark here. But, but her the, name was on it. Right. Yeah, and he put like he basically said this email needs to go out and it needs to have Fran's name on it. So not only is there are these you know backdated long long term allegations going on here, it seems like his hands fingerprints are all over the incredibly fucked up response that they have had to this stuff as well. Yes, it seems it seems like he knew about pretty much all of this. He directly abetted it in some cases. Also, again the. Th- private jet thing is just like such comically stereotypical asshole rich guy behavior yeah of the pilot of his private jet harassed one of the flight attendants who complained and then they fired the flight attendant yep and then threatened to quote destroy her <laughs> Jesus. i guess there was a settlement i believe out of court on that one ultimately yes they they paid her two hundred thousand dollars as a settlement so uh, where but does this like, leave things right now? In a very strange place, because the board has officially gone on record doubling down on saying they believe in Bobby Kotick. They are not mm-hmm. going to, you know, they are not looking to make moves to get rid of him. At the same time, there's all these investigations going on. There are invest. There's a lot of investor uh, discomfort, it seems like. And while mm-hmm. so the, the ones that are being loudest about it are very much minority stakeholders, the stock itself has tanked about 10% in the last day. And so 
the question is how long can they hold that out? How long can they actually sit there and be like, no, no, but like we believe in Bobby. If this is actually going to affect the bottom line of st- of stakeholders, mm-hmm. I feel like there is not there are not a lot of directions you can pivot from there. Yeah, there's a relatively well, so I don't know how many shares there are in total of Activision, but I think it was a, a group of shareholders representing, I think, just under 5 million shares. Which is about 0.6% for... of the overall shares, I think. Uh, there there are 778.89 million shares. Okay, so relatively small uh, number of shareholders at the moment, but they are calling for Bobby Kotick and the two longest-serving members of the Activision board to all resign by the end of the year. Um. And they basically said, like, if they don't do that, then we will we will vote against these board members being reelected at the next shareholder meeting. And we'll certainly do our best to rally other shareholders to that cause as well. So there is a bit of a revolt going on now. I think it's going to happen. I mean. So what happened with Jen O'Neill? She left. Oh yes, I forgot. Oh yes, yes there's a, there's there's more about the Jen O'Neill stuff. Gosh, sorry, sorry. There's so many details yeah, to track no, of yeah. in this. Like it's it's a lot. Yeah, it also came to light in the course of this story that, counter to what she said when she left, she internally expressed uh, doubt that they will ever actually change in the way they need to change. And then, uh, and this we should again. This is uh, Blizzard co-head, right? Like when, yes, with when, Mike Ybarra. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also, also came to light that she was apparently paid less than him, despite them kind of being. She was co- paid less, and they did not offer her a comparable salary until she had already tendered her resignation. Yeah. So this is incredible. It just keeps getting more incredible well, as time I, goes on. I would on. also like to add, since we talked about it, and we we also expressed some major uh, uh, doubts about this and what what this meant but you know when bobby was like i'm gonna forfeit my uh i'm gonna forfeit my salary and total compensation uh to the bare minimum under california legal standards which is minimum wage and that's that's i'm gonna do that for you the investors and as a sign of that i am really taking this seriously whatever whatever that means uh in this story there was just a little uh thing that jumped out at me of uh bobby one of the highest paid uh, chief executives of a US, U.S. publicly traded company with a pay package in 2020 valued at $154 million. And that's without I did, bonuses. I did not realize that he was actually one of the highest paid CEOs in the country. That is kind of wild. In a country of highly paid CEOs, to be one of the most highly paid CEOs is really, really outstanding. Congratulations. Uh, please. I, I, uh, I'm telling you right now, I don't think he makes it through this. I don't probably, think he does. Probably not. Before this story, I, I definitely I thought he thought, could have clung on. I definitely thought there was a chance the, of the board just circling the wagons, which they're still doing around him, even yeah. in light of this. But, like, I, th- I thought it was still at a level where he could just kind of, like, shoulder his way through it if he just kept his head down and did not ever admit fault. But this this might be a bridge too far, finally. It's, it seems to me, and I, I, would, I, would, I would never assume to speak or presume to speak for the people below Bobby it's you know like you're talking about the board above him but I would yes, never I don't I'm want to presume about the board of directors and yeah, him, yeah I don't want to presume to speak for the people uh, that are below him but I have a hard time thinking that he has the trust and faith of development teams and the people who are working at Activision and Blizzard I mean, there was to, another to walkout 
There was another yeah. walkout the day that this story launched, and I think it was something a little over 100 employees all walked out of you know the company and and protested. And I I can't see like I don't see much support. You know, even from the people I know that sort of like work at Activision or work at Blizzard, like there's no one going out there to be like, oh, Bobby's my CEO. I believe in him. Like, that's not the sentiment whatsoever. Yeah, that that's where I have a little trouble uh, maybe squaring that circle of like you hear you hear him get out there and say his, you know, what he said since this has started, which is I'm fully committed to, you know, uh, uh, this uh, changing things. Anyone who doubts my conviction to be the most welcoming, inclusive workplace doesn't really appreciate how important this is to me. Like, I don't know how you go out and put a a statement out like that after what dropped yesterday. Yeah. So, so here's a thing that I, I find completely galling in the, the lead up to this is that there is a a series of tweets on the official Activision Blizzard account that is, like, literally the day before this story dropped. And it is them being like, we are listening, we are taking action, our ambition is to make Activision Blizzard the most welcoming and inclusive workplace in the industry. And they made these graphics, these cheap-ass fucking graphics, that just say things like, zero tolerance for zero tolerance harassment policy company-wide with a shitty fucking photoshopped on zero as if this is like some revelatory thing as opposed to literally the bare minimum mm. that people should be doing going for here like they're they're trying to present like oh we are becoming this more progressive company we are really act- I was like no you are just trying to sweep up the fucking muck and and horror that has been going on behind the scenes like none yeah. of this stuff this is meaningless i i, I would just add personally like for my my this is completely opinionated but my personal take is like it's not even bobby don't you don't even have to make the most progressive company just don't do crimes like maybe yeah. just just don't 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 do, make it an actively hostile place for people yeah. to work don't ruin people's lives that just want to make video games uh you know you know for you like it but again it's the bobby Kotick situation at activision he is the guy that brought that company back from the brink you know he is the one who brought it back from bankruptcy and turned it into the fucking powerhouse that it is and to unseat someone like that it does take these kinds of level of revelations to happen like that's that's the thing i was going to say is that like the person of bobby kodak is associated with the you know the success of activision and the identity of activision in a way that you know Companies with like a revolving door of chief executives are, are not right. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's almost a it's almost a Steve Jobs esque sort of like this guy is Activision. I'm sure to Steve Jobs to that large, nobody liked to a large number of investors. Um, I I just saw this hit my inbox uh, as we were talking about this. Apparently, Jim Ryan, head of PlayStation, has put out a company email, essentially criticizing Activision and say that, saying that their response to this is inadequate. Interesting. Wow. Holy so, shit. So like, yeah. So yeah, like Like you're actually getting other CEOs on record like, about this. That's how bad you're fucking head, up. Heads heads of other video game companies, particularly one like PlayStation, which has deals with Activision, yeah. right? Or like yeah. I don't know where the Call of Duty stuff is at these days, but like, you know. So PlayStation became the uh Call of Duty platform of exclusivity for a lot of years after it was back on top, right? Like they were the ones that had the deal for all the, the early DLC and stuff. Is, was so, I'm sorry, was that from Jim Ryan's personal Twitter account or was that from... No, a, no, no. It's an email to okay. employees at Sony. Oh, okay. So it was it was an internal thing that got out yeah, as, 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 it, as it was probably meant to do. You know, sure, it wasn't a uh, secret email. Yeah, so this, this stuff is definitely picking up steam. I mean, the I just anecdotally, I don't know 
very many people in this industry that have anything nice to say about Bobby Kotick, even just as a businessman. And, you know, obviously I don't run in those circles, mm. but like, you know, I think as far as like figures in the executive suite in video games, there are a few more reviled figures. And it is fucked up that it took something like this to finally potentially jostle him loose. But you know, I, I at this point, I just I think the walls are closing in. I mean, if you have yeah. again, if you have the head of PlayStation going on record saying these people are fucking up. That is pretty monumental as far yeah, as we, like, well, we, we, like we do not believe their statements of, of response properly address the situation. Well, I, I, said. I have to assume, again, if that's an internal email, like you said, Brad, there are people within that organization that have to that are B2B with Activision and that are probably concerned about, you know, yeah. Hey, I, I don't want to support this or I, I have misgivings about dealing with, you know, a company that is a company that has made you billions of dollars. Uh, yeah. Or, or just, you know, like, Hey, this doesn't feel right. I, I don't want to engage with this. And, you know, to have, at least to have your boss say, yeah, this is not, we don't, we don't, you know, that's, I, we I don't trust with this shit. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, I think that's a good thing for them to do. Uh, you know, and to at least address it's a big deal it's it's definitely a big deal i that probably puts me a little further in the camp of yeah i don't know if he makes it through this i uh, just i think his avenues for survival are dwindling very yeah. quickly yeah like do i do i think he's going to be turned penniless on the street no. no he'll go get a consulting job somewhere yeah. or, or he'll or go work for a think tank you know he'll get some big payout and package and and uh yeah he'll get a huge yeah, yeah he'll get a he'll get a huge parachute by keep stock and like, um, you know, and like he's been stockpiling ex Bush administration people for so long that I'm sure he can go find a nice DC job and get paid very well. I mean, he doesn't to do need a job. Well. Like, no. like this guy does not need to work for anybody. You know, he yeah. made $150 million last year alone. He like, probably he will, has investments in all sorts of other companies as well. Like, that, like he will, he will go start a new thing probably. Well, if, but will his, his name be on emails that come out of Activision in, in next year? Probably not. Right. Probably not. Yeah, it does seem like the clock is ticking again as of this story publishing in particular uh, for him. I think at this point, the only thing that could make it hasten along any faster is if they actually publish more details about his name being in Jeffrey Epstein's black book. <laughs> well, I, th I think if this thing winds up going into any kind of uh, discovery or trial or anything like that, that is... yeah. That, not not that particular thing, but this, this more. But of in this general, kind of like there's 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 got to be more skeletons there than even we yeah. know about. Um, again, I think we all express uh, the best for employees that yes. are over there. To yes, people who, who just just want to make video games and have a job and have a culture that is not oppressive or or doesn't make you worried about coming to work. So we you know, yeah. Slender hope for the best. Really, yeah. although. It seems like Jen O'Neill's internal comments about her faith in actual change taking place are not encouraging. Yeah, I don't think but, she's alone on that front. Yeah, it's a big, it's a very big company that employs a lot of people. Yes, um, you know, not I think I think worldwide. So I don't know. I I hope I hope they can right the ship, just because it does it does employ so many people. So many people yeah. make their living from that company. But, yeah, um, you know, change arguably starts from the top and like ousting the guy who's been running the whole thing mm -hmm. for the last 30 years. Yeah. Is about as big a change as you can make. And, and you know, we, we were at a company where, you know, a not, you know, I, I can't draw too many parallels because I don't know all the details, but, you know, we had Les Moonves. Yes. Who, who, who was taken out. And I will say 
some of that stuff on the teams I was on didn't reflect those things. We, we had good people on good teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the, I know these th- issues are not reflective, I think, of like the larger Activision working base. It is reflective of the leadership. It is reflective of the people that were in charge and were, you know, in, in charge of direction of the company and the studios and and allowing some of this culture stuff to yeah. uh, maintain and flourish. And that's that's a real it's a real shame. Uh, so yeah, I, Moon, Moonves is literally the uh, example I was drawing on about what Bobby Kotick would go do after this because yeah. he went and started a new production company, right? After he left CBS, um, they always yeah. find a way. Like I said, I, I'm not trying to draw direct parallels there. I just you know high powered people um, and people who were in those jobs for a very long time, very long time, and again people that the boards want to make them more money think they yeah. are their cash cow for for running those companies. So, like I think you guys said hard to have a board eject that person that they think is making them money. Oh, this is not the end of this, this Activision news. I can assure you, but, um, I think it is going to be the end of this segment for today. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next bit of news. Uh, in, well, do we want to talk about Call of Duties? I mean, if you really want to throw another log <laughs> on the fire here, what, uh, what's the what's the takeaway? I mean, this data is always super incomplete, but it, there, there's evidence that Call of Duty Vanguard has been a pretty uh, weak launch by Call of Duty standards. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, at this point, the data is subdivided by you know by country and by physical release or digital, you know, that kind of thing. It's yeah. like. Like, oh, we can look at physical sales in the UK specifically to try to read these tea leaves or whatever. But um, but yes, the, the the signs are not strong for Vanguard's performance for the first couple of weeks here. And they are going to run a free multiplayer trial very shortly for that game, which also hmm. is not a great sign that it is doing especially well. Interesting. Um, they have, you know, they have run free multiplayer trials for past Call of Duties, but not immediately after a release like this right it's so, not reviewing particularly well is it um yeah i mean i haven't seen no like it's not it's not it's, like, it's not getting like terrible scores but no, it feels no, like no, it's I don't lower see, i don't see anybody saying it's terrible but it's kind of exactly what you think it is yeah um so yeah i i've anecdotally i just don't see a lot of people talking about it yes so yes i haven't seen a lot of buzz about it and also i tend to think that when you're aggressively doing things like free trials this fast after launch, like you've got numbers you need to make up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, this next story here uh, under what you have a uh, uh, sub or headed notable delays, mm-hmm. uh, the notable delay block. Yes. Uh, this, I saw this email come in about the play dates and yeah, it is panics play date. Yeah. Panic makers <laughs> of the fine Mac OS FTP client transmit. Listen, transmit is pretty awesome. Transmit's not bad. I haven't used transmit in probably tw- 15 years, but transmit. Man, when we needed to get on Amazon S3 and there was no other That's way to do right. it, mm-hmm. transmit came through. Transmit was there for you. In the clutch. Um, uh, so I, I got this email. So I'm a, I'm a, a backer, I'm a pre-orderer. Of pre-orderer. A- yeah. You are a person who threw money at this thing. I threw money at the play date. Um, and I, so I got this email and <laughs> I think I, I sent it over to you guys in a way that was like, Oh my gosh, this sounds so anxiety producing. This it sucks. sucks. This sucks. Uh, yes, Brad, do you want to run down what this is? What this is? 
Playdate is the little, the tiny little handheld, and I do mean handheld because it fits in your palm. Mm-hmm. Little yellow grayscale, little yellow uh, little little video game machine that has a crank on it, just in case you have forgot. <laughs> it's just yeah. a funny little guy. Yeah, funny um, little, funny little device. But uh, yeah, it's it's gotten pushed into 2022 because they got their first batch of production units in, and it turned out the battery life was like terrible to non-existent. As in, some of them wouldn't even hold a charge from the sound of it. Oh man. So they have had to ship their entire first batch. 5,000. Yes, which was not even the initial wave that they were intending to ship to people who bought it back to have new batteries installed. So <sighs> this first wave is being pushed into the first half of next year. Um, and then, gosh, well, I had the numbers in front of me. Uh, what is it? I think the, come on, page load. I think it was the first 20,000. We'll go out in the first half of next year. Is that right? Yes, I believe that's right. Uh, in 2022, get, right. Can I get this page to come back up? Uh, uh, yes, here it is. Yes. First 20,000 orders will go out in early 2022. Orders 20,000 through 50,000 will be sent out in the second half of next year. Yeah. And then uh, past unit, 50. Yeah. Yeah. Units past 50,000 will almost certainly land in 2023, but we're not quite there yet, uh, according to them. Also, if you read into the story, they're also having to swap the CPU out in this thing. Yeah. After the first X number of units are made, because they can't get enough of those CPUs. We should be you no know, for a comparable. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like part. obviously it, it's something yeah. that's going to be compatible, um, yeah. something very similar. But hey, supply chain stuff. Yeah. So the the part that just made me break into a sweat. I don't, I don't care about getting this thing really on any timeline, but um, that kind of like empathetic break into sweats is like. Oh my gosh, coupled with the shipping coupled with the or sorry the, the battery stuff coupled with having to ship stuff back and forth in, in the logistical nightmare. Oh boy, that's that's well, <laughs> I wonder if Panic will ever make another piece of hardware again. I speaking as someone who spent a brief part of his career making working on a product that required getting stuff manufactured in factories in China. It is never fun when things don't work out the way you want them to and good on them for at least addressing it and dealing with it and just eating shit on the thing that, you know, I'm sure they wanted that thing out, but they weren't willing to sacrifice the quality. And I actually do appreciate that. I I appreciate the candor on what happened because it's fun to know the nitty gritty behind things like this, you know? Yeah. I, I hope, um, I hope folks are understanding of, you know, the delays in this kind of stuff, delays in software as well. But you know, I mean, they're being I've cool been, about it. I don't see anybody complaining too much about the delays. Okay. I mean, they're not analog. So <laughs> I, um, uh, I've seen enough. I've been on enough Kickstarters where people are, or it can be pretty crappy in, yeah. in, in Kickstarter comments about yeah. logistics. Well, this was, this was just pre-orders. I don't think they never crowdfunded this as far as I know. No, I'm just saying in so. terms of people, you know, Stuff that gets out of your control, stuff that yeah. is um, logistical. I mean, sometimes there are stuff on Kickstarters where you should be mad, but um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. every everybody seems to be having logistics nightmares, and this just seems like a combination of hardware failure, logistic nightmare. I mean, who knows what happened on the battery manufacturing end of this? Maybe they couldn't source a part, and these batteries. I have no idea, but boy, boy, fun time to be making, to read. making and replacing, or making and releasing products. That's right. That's it's, right. Uh, of any kind. Uh, the play date. Speaking of, speaking of making and releasing video games, Saints Row got delayed six months next year, which 
to me is mostly notable because that is a good, healthy delay. You know, a lot of times you see delays of mm. like, oh, two weeks or a month or yeah. maybe two months. But like, yeah. that is a that is a good, stiff delay where they're actually giving themselves some real breathing room Yeah, uh, to, get, to get that game where they want it to be, which I can kind of respect. And they need it. Like, that's the thing. Is that like, if that, that game comes out and doesn't hit, that's not a good, like, that's a couple in a row for Volition yes, that did not do well. That's that's bad news for both Saints Row and Volition if if this one doesn't go. So, so that was in, initially February, right? Yeah, yeah. February, February to August is the delay. So, um, yeah, and they basically are saying it's not there, and yeah. we, we want to make a good game. Which again, I admire the candor. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I, so yeah. I I I'm curious. Not that I you know want them to get that game out until it's ready, but I'm curious what what they. Much like the the playdate stuff, like you know, what happened? Like did 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 they think they were close and they have to switch directions, or you know, what what are those conversations like? I think that stuff is interesting, and I'm glad they have the ability to rethink some stuff or, or change it up. Yeah. Um, a couple more quick things here. Uh, professional internet leakist Jeff Grubb uh-huh. uh, is out there with a little more info about the Quantic Dream Star Wars game that's supposedly happening. Okay. Yes. Uh, he claims it is currently known as Star Wars Eclipse. Okay. Uh, and that it's going to be set during the High Republic period. Which Everybody's favorite are, period. Are y'all, well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of my question going into this. Like, are y'all familiar with that stuff? I had not to go really. look it up once I read the story. Yeah, so, like, it's not KOTOR. It's not the Old Republic. It's a different, it is a different but also bygone era of the Star Wars universe, but... They made a big push for it a few months ago. I think that's right. Earlier this year. Mm. Basically, there was a big release of novels and like comic books as kind of the first wave of this big new media push they were making. But I feel like I have not heard much about it since then. So I don't I don't follow Star Wars closely enough to know how I'm guessing from the looks on your faces, <laughs> neither of you do either. No, I, I definitely do not. Like it My so- Star Wars understanding is either the movies. Or the video games, and okay. only a subset of the video games. I've never no, not, read any not even, of the extended universe stuff. Not not even the TV shows? I have watched an episode of The Mandalorian. Okay, I have not seen like, any of the other stuff. Like, like if anything, TV seems like kind of ground zero for new Star Wars at this point. Oh, it is, and I hear it's actually some of the best stuff. Um, I just haven't, I haven't dug into it. Uh, so so it, it, se- it seemed to me, like, my Star Wars knowledge probably peaked at around, probably, like, 2005. I don't know, or, like, when, when did the last of the original one. Two, oh, three you mean, you mean that, that, that fateful year when Obi-Wan gained the high ground. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Um, somewhere around there and it probably peaked and has been on a decline since. Right. So, um, I, when I looked up the high Republic stuff, this is probably not an accurate representation representation, but it seemed like they carved out a new, segment of the star Wars universe to talk new stories into and said, we've got this other expanse of time. We haven't (laughs) sullied yet. I think, I think basically the only thing I know about it for a fact is that there is a young Yoda. Actually, I shouldn't say as a fact, because I think that's right. I'm not hundred percent sure to put it in perspective about like when that would be taking place, like a few hundred years before, not like several thousand. Right. Okay. Um, but again, I just have not heard much about that initiative since that first wave of books came out. So I don't know how extensively it's been developed yet. I don't think it's made its way into any TV stuff. So if you if you're saying uh, there's a young Yoda, mm-hmm. does that mean this is after this is after Old Republic? 
but before Empire. Oh yeah, I mean, so this mm-hmm. is like Yoda in the early days of I'm sh- I imagine his Jedi training. So, so it sits somewhere between Old Republic and Episode One. It's, I mean, it's, you, uh, yes. Okay. I mean, so somewhere in that very somewhere, large range. Somewhere yes. in there, right. And I think it isn't KOTOR like 4,000 years before the movie, the original trilogy or something like something that. Something like something that. Like I think that. I think is the case, but... Uh, I do know yeah. it is in a galaxy far, far away. Give it so take a couple thousand. Like, thematically, I think it's the idea is sort of like here is the the you know the grand republic in like the fullness of its glory right like before everything went to shit i thought that was the old republic like uh no that was a different republic okay i <laughs> thought was that different- was the height of the jedi in their in their majesty and the height of the sith and the, the whole thing um maybe this is maybe they could have attained high even higher you know you know the whole thing about star wars it is just a you know, tale of souls and lightsabers eternally retold <laughs> That's here's, what they say. It's just Jedi and Sith fighting it out over and over. Here's the question I still have. Why are we giving the Star Wars franchise to a quantic dream that still employs David Cage uh, and the people in the leadership of that company? Ask Disney. I mean, like, that's kind of the part of the story is, you know, their Sony deal has ended and it sounds like they are now signing with Disney. Yeah, it's just game. it's perplexing because, I mean, look, I, I understand the cultural stuff there is maybe not as bad as some of the stuff that we have read about, like, you know, Activision and Ubisoft, but they had their own brush with this exact same stuff, you know, stuff that was pretty, it sounds like a pretty hostile work environment that Cage and the leadership there was very much at the center of, and it just feels a little tone deaf to me to be Mm. like, okay, you guys take this marquee franchise, fuck it, why not, right? Sure. That's, you'd have to ask someone at Disney. You're right. I, I'm not asking that. you guys to have the answer to that. I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm posing the question here because I still find it very confusing. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, wanna... it's, it's kind of like that Activision stuff though, to me of like, there is a critical mass beyond which like no one can ignore this stuff, but there, but there is also a point below that threshold where some people find it fairly convenient to ignore it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Like, that's kind of what I meant about the Kodak stuff, you know? It's like there there was a point before that story where I could see them circling the wagons and just saying, nope, we're just sticking and staying the course. But, like, in that case, I think it's beyond that now, right? So, like, when it comes to making business deals, I'm sure that some of the business people who make those deals, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say didn't care. I don't know. I just don't know if I can sanction a world where someone thinks David Cage's contribute uh, like creative contributions to things are like he is immovable in that regard. Like I mean, he is the thing that. that makes those games. Like that to me is a <laughs> gross miscalculation of what that man offers. I you know, at least his name hasn't been on the tacked onto this yet, right? Not no, yet. Yeah. Well, it's Quantic Dream. I mean, you don't. There has not been a Quantic Dream game that did not have his name at the forefront of it. To be fair, it wasn't, wasn't part of the reporting that this is the first game out of their new Montreal studio, so... Yeah, that but might. do you really think David Cage isn't going to put his paws all over that thing yeah, if he can? That's, that's probably true. Well, also, I think a, a, a question we have to keep in mind is who is not developing a Marvel or, or Disney Or Star property, Wars game, yeah. Yeah, at this point. Uh, because, You're not wrong. Um, I mean, is, is there a... There's no Fallen Order 2 on the books, right? No, uh, I mean that team still exists to respawn, and that game did extremely well. So it hasn't been announced yet. So though, you'd imagine, right, that there's something I would, there. I would be shocked if they are not doing another Star Wars game based and on. And I mean, hey, Ubisoft is also doing a Star Wars game, and we know about their problems too. So it's maybe it's right. just they don't care. I, I like Disney. I think Disney is is shopping franchises around in a way that yeah. is like. 
I, it's not a bad thing, but um, uh, what was it? Uh, what, I forget the name of the studio. Sky. Skybound. Is, is that Amy Hennings? Uh, who's doing a Marvel game? I believe that's right. It's, it's Sky something. I think yeah. it's Bound. Okay. And then Square Enix with the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like, and it's hey, all worked out. Yeah. You, you win some, you lose some. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that is the Disney way. You get a good Star Wars game, you get a bad Star Wars game. You get a good Marvel game, you get a bad Marvel game. Cast you know? a wide net, see what you catch. Hey, yeah. And you know what? They probably all sell pretty decently regardless of how they're actually. Oh, I'm sure dude. anything with the Marvel or Star Wars name on it still does like, just dude, fine. Dude, I, I almost put this in the news that Far Cry 6 like led video game sales for October. There okay. you go. Because because like we we were just asking what two three weeks ago like yeah who's talking about it did that come and go like yeah. nobody seemed to talk about that past release week and here it is being like the highest selling game of October ah oh, so, it's a shame inscription should have been there there's your answer um all right let's move on uh, we touched on this a little bit but there is a uh, there is still more to this Grand yes, Theft Auto story oh oh uh, I think we pretty much covered all that in the well, I don't. Did, I don't I don't, I don't really know anything else to say. The only about. thing I would add to this, because we did cover a lot of it in the game section, was that apparently the hot coffee stuff had still made it into some of that. Um, we talked about the PC um, version got released with a bunch of extra cruft that yes. was in there that was accessible by people. And, of course, for those who don't remember, the hot coffee scandal which was a, a mini game that allowed you to do uh, it to, <laughs> to, to do it to the, knock the, boots to knock boots the thing that got uh grand theft auto uh an ao rating uh some and then got commented out in the code <laughs> it's apparently still got is still in there somehow it's still to this day mm-hmm. nothing is ever truly gone give it another ao Yes. Great at AO. Anyway, yeah. that was the but, last thing that I wanted to say there. Uh, okay. Also, we should say that it's back up for sale. Yes. Again. Yeah. That game mm-hmm. is, as of now, back up on the Rockstar store. So you can get it again on PC if you like. The the now sanitized uh, version. Yes. Yes. The totally clean and not at all. But yeah. What is anyway. that? Scr- what is, speaking of the behind the scenes story, what is that scramble at, uh, you know, when you're going to be like, I don't know what we can take out. You just. Start by putting one thing back in the folder at a time and yep. see if the game runs. I want yep. the bare minimum in there. See what launches. See what launches. Because I, I don't know. It's just yeah. ridiculous. I do think it is also really funny that hot coffee at this point is like the most mundane fucking thing in the world. Like we live in a world where the, you know, the Mass Effect romances and all that uh-huh. stuff is in is in video games and the extremely tame by comparison hot coffee stuff is like it feels so bizarre to be thinking about this as like this earth shattering thing in video games i understand the ratings had a lot to do with it but like it's just so silly all right yes wrap up with some xbox stuff here sure yeah let's talk about the the news that came out of the anniversary yeah well something that happened before that i should have mentioned this earlier because it is also from professional newsman jeff grubb we could have just had a little i don't know a grub hub, grub hub? in the middle nice. of the news i like that uh he also claims that one versus 100 is coming back and a new version is being produced at microsoft or excuse me at xbox okay uh in this it's case time. he says the uh did you say it's time it's time it's been time but some might say the time never left 
I um, played so much one dude, versus one hundred when that loved, was around. It was like it was like appointment viewing in my house. Totally, like, fucking one versus one hundred is happening. It's Sunday night. It's the Let's, rare adaptation of an actual game show that is better than the actual game show. So that was something I had forgotten when I was reading about this, and I guess Phil Spencer has talked about it in the past that that was actually a game show outside yeah. of the thing that was on the Xbox. So there are rights held by somebody else. Now, in this case, hold on a sec. There might be three to four people listening to this podcast mm. that missed one versus 100. What was the phenomenon of one should, versus 100? People should show some respect. <laughs> Learn uh, the legend of Chris Cashman. Brad, will you explain why it was appointment viewing and what, why was, did, why did you have to be at a certain place at a certain time to play this game? It was a live game show on Xbox with a live host in a, in a studio in a recording box. Doing live stuff, live commentary, live hosting. But through as, Xbox as people avatars. Yes. yes. No actual video. It was all voices coming out of Xbox avatars. And the and the silly waving hands. And uh, Was there Kinect yes. support? I don't think so. I, I don't think, think there was Kinect support. Connect. I like the I really wild thing was, waving their hands. The really wild thing was, you could win Microsoft points. Like <laughs> yeah, actual points you could use to spend. Yes, you could use, and I'm making the sneeriest of sneer quotes, cash prizes uh. here. Look, you're you're uh, by you're getting points for their you know their what was then a closed system, but like yeah, true. I mean, this yes, I suppose Microsoft points did have cash value yeah. of a sort. Um. Anyway, well, he's Chef Grub says that this new version is uh, being made by the AltSpace VR team, which is part of the Mixed Reality division. Uh, also, that it will use the avatars that we've seen for Microsoft's Metaverse presentations around Microsoft Teams recently. I ha- I have not seen that. I don't know it's, what that is. Remember that week when everybody was talking about the metaverse? I remember the, when Facebook remember changed its name. Yeah, and every company seemed like it was trying to get in. Ugh. So yeah, a bunch of companies were putting out like video presentations and other proof of concept stuff about here's our metaverse strategy. Oh, no. And Microsoft Microsoft put out some like here's how Microsoft Teams would integrate with the metaverse material. Okay. And there were some new 3D avatars. Uh, as part of that concept footage. I should look and at it. I didn't see it. So are they different Grub, than uh, your normal avatar? Uh, they look like avatars. Okay. You have a pretty good idea of what they looked like, but Grub says they will be part of this new one versus 100. Okay. Um, you know, so I guess it's entirely possible this wouldn't actually be called one versus 100. It could be subtly different enough that they could make it hmm. without having to engage that branding. You tell me, I don't know. Is it important that it be called that? I don't think, was one versus one hundred a popular show? Like Alex, what do you like? What do you think? Like you played it, right? Yeah. But like, it's the branding. Like, it was one versus one hundred. One of those shows was like huge in the UK and smaller in the states or something. I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't remember if it was like a weakest link thing where they took it from the UK or somewhere else. But the show, I don't think, was ever super popular. Like, it may have had no. like a, a brief period of of notoriety, but I don't think it didn't last super long. And I don't like think I, it was ever like hugely popular. I don't think I'd ever even heard of the TV show before the Xbox thing happened. Yeah, but, same here. But is the Xbox thing revered enough at this point that they need to keep that name? I don't know. It is among people who were playing the Xbox in 2009. I don't <laughs> yeah, know if fair. if that is a significant portion still of the current gaming base, but also the thing is the game's good. The, the, the reason mm-hmm. it was revered is because it was actually a lot of fun and it was an interesting novel concept. And I think the idea of a live-from-home game show would play very well in the current market because people are at home. 
They want to play, you know, stuff on their console that isn't necessarily just the same games. They like multiplayer experiences. I think something like this could actually do gangbusters now. And it it was trivia, right? It was yeah, uh, it was, basically yeah. I forget. I can't remember exactly how it worked. Like one person became the one, and then there were a hundred other players, and I can't remember exactly what that whole thing was. Yeah. Um, I, I I well, if you hey, if you're in our Discord and you ever you ever won that thing and got some Microsoft points. Uh, much like I want to hear, I always hear from people who won the Toys R Us uh, free toy run. I'd love to hear from you. Like, did you, did you just credit your account or something? Like, what do you? I, what, I bet they. I wouldn't be surprised if they sent you a code. Code. Okay. That's how they, that's how they often it. do these. To this day, they will message you codes on okay. Xbox Live occasionally. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, they should do this. If they, they should do it. If they are not already doing it, as Jeff Grubb claims, they should. Um, Look, we all played HQ Trivia. <laughs> you know they're... <laughs> are you, are you, you trying know, to say you have somebody to host this? No, I'm not saying Scott Rogowski should come out of retirement. And by retirement, I mean stop doing that baseball show he does. <laughs> but I'm saying there's plenty of room for up-and-coming comics. Mm, totally. Totally. I feel like there are more of them than ever getting visibility these days thanks to social media and stuff. You could have like a rotating cast of hosts. Yeah. There's tons of people out there who would be great to host a one versus 100 style thing. It does not have to be Chris Pratt. Like you could, you could, nope. but you could get, you somebody can find else. a different Chris. I swear <laughs> <laughs> there, there are at least three more out there. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you. Just not uh, Hardwick, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There are at least two other Chris's yeah. out there. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, all right, Brad, is there any other news we want to get to before the end here? Yeah, real quick. They, uh, they announced a bunch of new backwards compatible games for the Xbox. Over Not 70. Only, I think in you're, fact, you're burying the lead here on this one. Over, over 70 new games are backwards compatible. Uh, a bunch of new and existing backwards compatible games got FPS boost mm-hmm. as well. And they say, that's it. That's it. They say, this is it. <laughs> They've said this before, but this time they mean it. Yeah. There were some some bangers in there, like a Togi 1 and 2 from Mm -hmm. the original Xbox, which we played some on that stream. Um, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, for some reason. Biggest game of all time. Uh, I'm looking here, is Gun Valkyrie a big deal? Ah, to somebody. That that name stands out to me. Uh, What else we got here? Red Dead Revolver. Um... That's a lot of big and small stuff. Near the original Near is now backwards compatible, which is cool. And apparently, it looks real nice. Like as, yeah. as good as that remake they did uh, was, it apparently looks real solid. Yeah, I mean the, the you know the visual upgrades all these games get are pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they do say that due to both legal and technical constraints, this is the end of the backwards compatibility effort. So as there, far as yeah, there is an interesting follow up to this. Um, yeah, as you said, they they have basically said they have run out of, you know, games that they feel like they can get both for technology and for, you know, various licensing reasons at this point. But there is a quote uh, that just went up on uh, Axios. Uh, Stephen Totillo, I guess, was either talking to Phil Spencer or got this quote from somewhere where basically Phil Spencer goes on record saying, uh, I think the industry needs to embrace emulation when it comes to making older games accessible huh. to people. Interesting. Okay. 
Uh, things, I guess. I think we can learn from the history of how we got here through the creative uh, of being able to go back to past works of art. I love it in music. I love it in movies and TV. And there's positive reasons for gaming to want to follow my hope. And I think I have to present it that way as of now is as an industry, we'd work on legal emulation that allowed modern hardware to run any within reason, older executable, allowing someone to play any game. You heard it here first. Bleem coming to the Xbox Series X. (laughs) Damn right. Finally, it's time. Finally, we can play PlayStation 1 games on our Xboxes. Pop it right in the drive. Just, just pop that disc right in there. I, there is somewhere in my parents' basement, there is still a Bleem t-shirt. <laughs> I think I have I hope, a Bleem disc somewhere. That I, that I hope to recover one day. Somebody, um, you didn't work for Bleem, right? It's, work for is the loosest term you could <laughs> ever say. I briefly showed up what? to do some work at a, at a Bleem E3 booth for a day oh, one year. Okay. Wow. <laughs> the year they got the legal notice from Sony. Okay. Man. No, uh, yeah, uh, Glenn, uh, he was doing some work with the Bleem guy, and that was my end to going to E3 that year. Of course. Yeah. Um, uh, that's I interesting. To, is I have to ask this question. Yes. Is Voodoo Vince backwards compatible? Has it been in this list? I, I think it has been Pretty sure while. it is. Okay, well, good. Well, so they put out that remastered version. Remember, there's yeah. like a native yeah. Xbox One well, version now. That was a few now. years ago, right? Yes, it was. Uh, that's, that's been a bit... Um, I don't know if it's backwards compatible. It may not be. Since they did put out that. The remaster. Hey, you can just buy it again. I remember that remaster actually being fine. Like they did a pretty solid job on it. It's still Voodoo Vince is the thing, but. Um, Yeah. Okay. So also (laughs) go ahead. No, it's it's just great to hear. Like I have anyone in video games to say this. Phil Spencer is the person I would expect to say this, but it's just nice to hear. I'll just say this. Phil Spencer's messaging on basically every topic these days is so perfectly manicured that I would just as easily believe that he has a lot of good opinions or that he is the most savvy media messaging person ever in the leadership of a video game company. And frankly, I don't care which it is because like, like he was out there calling NFTs exploitative this week. Mm -hmm. He's out there embracing emulation, like just across the board. Like he has got the, he's got his finger on the pulse. I think far he knows, more. He knows what he knows. He knows what the people want. I think far more than a Jim Ryan or a Doug Bowser or anyone mm. like that. Like he is just a person who rose through the ranks as someone who just likes to play video games. Yeah, and, I'm. I'm being kind of. I'm being a little facetious here because I, I think we've talked to him enough on yeah. the back end to be fairly confident that he is pretty real. Like he, he's as like real he said, as someone in that position can be. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, yes, he he was he was there doing the actual work before he was there in the management, right? So he he gets it. I think. Just, just uh, the amazing thing to me, I, I, I really think so much of where it feels, it feels to me so much of where Microsoft or uh, Microsoft, there you go again, Xbox's, uh, it's still Microsoft. You're not yeah, wrong yeah, when yeah, you yeah, say yeah. that. You don't have to stay on brand. Yeah. But, well, but, but I really think probably the Xbox brand coming out of the metric debacle and like, uh, you know, Phil Spencer having to redirect a, a really kind of angry fan base back into say like, Hey, no, we're going to like, it feels 180 from that time period. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like he, he, like you said, Brad, I feel like he is saying things that anybody who's in the game space is looking at being like, yeah, I also feel that way. Yes. This guy gets it versus, you know, what was it? Six or seven years ago where Magic was out there saying stuff that anybody in the game space was like, what are you 
doing yes you're like, not in a board meeting you're addressing the audience what how, you, how how tone deaf rich guy can you be <laughs> yes right yeah and it, like it just feels like a real um from a at, at the very at the most cynical a pr 180 but i, I think mm-hmm. there's hopefully there's more to it than that it, yeah. it is it has been been an incredibly well-managed turnaround like yeah. it's kind of it's kind of crazy to watch honestly and so i don't know how much of that actually you know I, I think I think Phil is is fairly genuine. He seems very genuine to me. I don't know how much of that actually steers into things like where Game Pass is at, and and you know um, what I think is a is a pretty pretty good environment if you have an Xbox or in, in the Xbox ecosystem. Um, yeah, I do think at a certain point the shine is going to come off of Game Pass a little bit uh, as more as time passes, as maybe you know more people sort of kind of come out and talk about how those deals actually went for them. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I think the thing, the worst case for that thing is that you find out some people didn't get as much money as they were hoping out of it, or they didn't as much, you know, exposure as they were hoping out of it, and maybe, you know, Game Pass just doesn't become the thing that has a million games on it all the time. I don't think there's anything really that dark or sinister about it, but, you know, at the same time, I don't know if other companies are ever going to try and go at that sort of service the way that Game Pass is. Yeah, I mean, all I've ever heard about it, I mean, maybe my information is old, but I've I've always heard it is the least bad of all of those in terms mm-hmm. of what developers are getting out of it from, you know, the PlayStation. Yeah, I think the upfront money has generally been considered to be pretty good. PlayStation Plus, free games and all that stuff. Phil's been out there doing some interviews with different outlets as this anniversary has happened and some factoids came out, such as that apparently Game Pass, like, originally was conceived as a game rental service, mm. which... <laughs> Boy, imagine how that would have gone. Well, that so that's the thing that seems like yeah, I don't I don't know how those decisions steer into what they are today, but um, right. you know, he he seems to echo what I feel like is a direction for Xbox that is yes, um, savvy, savvy, it's, yeah, it's very, smart. It's yeah, very, yeah, they 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 know what they're doing over there. Um, you know, bringing in Bethesda and and then having those games appear on that service like day yeah. one as that. I mean, all I mean, that stuff. is a that is a cutthroat ass business move. <laughs> Obviously, plenty yeah. of yeah. plenty of PlayStation only fans would yes <laughs> beg to differ with you <laughs> about that <laughs> yeah. about that move. But, but that was well, some of his messaging has. I bet if you asked Phil, he would not laugh off a. Hey, would you see your games? On oh no, no, no! I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, no. I think, I think he has pretty diplomatically addressed that exact yeah. point. I think about like, hey, we think it's best when. Obviously, all that really means is like, hey, yeah, we'd love it if Game Pass and X Cloud yes. were on the PlayStation Five. <laughs> That's right, right. Or <laughs> then you can play all the Starfield with, yeah. you want. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Sony's just, you know, they, they need to play ball and everything. That's right. Everybody can be happy. We love cross-platform and cross, you know, everything. Yes. We think everybody should be playing. Yeah. So. Again, that's that's part of where the savvy comes in. Is right, you gotta savvy. you've gotta find a way to make people take the medicine that doesn't necessarily taste amazingly good. That's right. I don't want people to think I'm naive, that naive to say like this. I, I think there's a business there. I just think, like you said, Brad, I think he is he is saying the things that uh, as people who have to run big businesses is saying the right. Seems like he's saying the right things often yep. enough. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. um all right. I'll, I got. I just got to mention. I just love this little coda here. Skate Two was one of the games that became backwards compatible as part of this wave. Uh huh. EA immediately got out there. First of all, the Skate account on Twitter quoted this news about backwards compatibility with a couple of skateboard emojis as a celebration. 
mm-hmm. and then instantly replied to their own tweet and said, also, as a reminder, by the way, the Skate 2 online servers will be shutting down in three weeks. Man, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Come on. I mean, like, I think it was just awkward timing. Yes. I think that's been in the works for a good long while. But come on. But it just, it's just... You can't make the stuff up, folks. Is it really so hard to just keep those goddamn servers up? Especially in the wake of this, like putting it up on 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 backward compatibility. Really, I know it's not nothing. I'm not saying it's nothing, but but is it not worth it? I I guess they got a new skate game to sell soon. Not 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 that soon. Maybe there'll be a re-release of Skate Two with new servers. Eh, We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Make your voices heard. No, the, I don't have the, time for that. Skate the duology, the definitive mm-hmm. the edition. That's right. Christ. Yes, indeed. Uh, one more thing here, mm-hmm. real quick. Um, on this backwards compatible uh, stuff that we're talking about here, I actually got to talk to Jason Ronald from Microsoft. Oh, about today about the backwards compatible stuff. What? That's about, uh, that's coincidental. I, I honestly, I was curious about like, Hey, they said legal and technical constraints mean this is it for backwards compatibility. Like, what does that actually mean? Like what mm. is the nitty gritty about what are the legal hurdles? You know, what are the technical challenges that mean this is the end? Is it actually the end? Is it stuff like that? A little bit of tech talk in there about what's going on under the hood with those games. So, uh, I brought a clip. Oh, we can. Oh, hear it. all right. And by a clip, I mean the entire interview. Oh shit. And here it is. Hey, I'm joined now by uh, Jason Ronald, uh, Director of Program Management at Xbox. Jason, you, you guys just uh, announced a big, fresh wave of backwards compatible titles along with the 20th anniversary of the Xbox launch this week. How are you feeling on the other side of that kind of final push on the back compat stuff? Yeah, it, it was really exciting. You know, when we really started early this year and we realized it was our 20th anniversary we really wanted to do something special for the fans and the community. And we really thought what better way to celebrate 20 years of Xbox than trying to go back and mine the back catalog and add new titles and enable players to play games from, you know, the past on the latest uh, consoles. So um, it is a big wave. You know, you've got over 70 new games in there. There's quite a few of the existing back and pack games that also got FPS boosts. So it's, it's a pretty big push, but you folks are also kind of characterizing this as a coda for the backwards compatible effort in general. I'm going to uh, read a, a quick quote here from Peggy Lowe on the Xbox blog. While we continue to stay focused on preserving and enhancing the art form of games, we have reached the limit of our ability to bring new games to the catalog from the past due to licensing, legal, and technical constraints. So I was hoping we could dig into that quote just a little bit. First of all, on the kind of licensing and legal side, I mean, obviously without naming any names here, but could you maybe give some general examples of like, what are some of the hurdles that you have to jump over in kind of negotiating new deals with creators, you know, talking to publishers and and rights holders from the past? Like what's some of the nitty gritty that you have to deal with there that people might not know about? Yeah. I mean, to, to bring a title forward is a, is a tremendous challenge. You know, a lot of the games when they originally written for say the original Xbox or the Xbox 360 at the time, people didn't really have this notion of game preservation or how do games move forward onto future devices. And a lot of times what that leads to is it leads to, you know, there was contracts that were signed at the time that maybe have expired. Or when you think about, you know, the massive changes that have happened in the industry over the last 20 years where, you know, companies no longer exist. So we don't even know who to be able to reach out to 
uh, or maybe you know an IP has actually moved between companies. And and it's just it's been a real challenge on the licensing side to really identify a who to talk to, but b then also to get all the approvals necessary. You know, when you think about some games that have a lot of licensed properties in it, whether it's you know, car brands or music or characters from like other types of media. There's just a lot of challenges with bringing these games forward. And as we started this uh, last push for the these last set of titles, we really kind of created a wish list of what are all the games that we've heard from the fans that they want to see come forward. And we actually started w- with a list of multiple hundreds of titles that we really went into the back catalog and said, wouldn't it be awesome if we could get this title or get that title? And then just throughout the year, as we were constantly working on this, you know, unfortunately some titles would just fall off because either we didn't know who the right people were to get the rights from, or maybe licenses had expired. Uh, But it was definitely a labor of love for the team. And to be honest, there's some titles that are in this batch that we've been trying to bring to the backwards compatibility program for multiple years. Uh, and you know, we really didn't know if we were going to be able to get some of these titles to be added to the program. And we were super pleased and super excited to get the uh, feedback from the publishers that they were excited to add them back to the program, just so that you know people that have those fond memories with them can 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 continue to play them. But more importantly, new generations of gamers can experience some of these games from the past that they've never been able to play before. Cool. Um, any any fun war stories from some of these that that almost got away in terms of just like kind of connections that just barely got made in the 11th hour. Any, any fun stories there? Oh, there's so many stories to share there. You know, there, there's some titles that, you know, to your point on the 11th hour where, you know, right up until the last minute, you know, we were trying to, to finalize certain agreements and, and get certain documents signed. Unfortunately, there are some other titles that we also had that we were really excited about that also fell away in the last couple of days or in the last couple of weeks. And this is just the challenge of running the backwards compatibility program. You know, we've been investing in this space since 2014. So, you know, we, we've gotten really good at both the technology and navigating uh, all the licensing challenges and the, the long term relationships that we have with publishers. So in many cases, I feel like we've developed a whole series of best practices. But at the same time, too, every title is unique. Um, even multiple games in the same franchise, sometimes they will have unique challenges for per in each individual title. And we just tackle those. And one of the things that I'm most proud of from the team's perspective is the team actually gets really excited by those challenges because their goal is to really delight the fans. And, you know, when, when they get a no, we generally don't take no for an answer. We're like, okay, are there other creative solutions that we can come up with? And in many, in many cases we've been able to, but there's definitely cases where unfortunately we just couldn't get overcome some of those hurdles. So on the technical side, I mean, you're years into this backwards compatible effort at this point. I'm curious how much work needs to happen on a per game basis at this point. Are you essentially able to drop a, a new game into your sort of, you know, emulation or compatibility layer and have it just work? Or is there still a lot of fine tuning per game that needs to happen for every title? Yeah, just like on the legal side, uh, on the technical side, every title introduces unique challenges. You know, there's some games that, you know, we can get up and running very quickly. Uh, and usually within the first couple of days, we'll know, you know, hey, this one's going to be possible, it's not going to be possible, or maybe there's some interesting challenges there. But a lot of the work actually comes in actually testing the game. Um, you know, because we can get, sometimes we can get a game up and running within a day or two, 
but then you actually have to go through the entire game. You have to go through all of the DLC because one of the things that's most critically important to us is to really respect that original created vision of the original creator. And what we never want to do is we never want to release a game into the backwards compatibility catalog where you know, all of a sudden, you know, an enemy two thirds of the way through all of a sudden is having all kinds of deformation issues or physics are breaking down. And we've also seen other titles where, you know, the majority of the game plays amazing, but we actually find a game breaking bug, you know, two thirds or three quarters of the way through. So a lot of the work is actually in the testing. You know, if you think about some, you know, large, massive open world games, think about a game like Skyrim as an example, you know, think about how challenging that is to be able to actually go through and play everything to make sure that everything uh, works as you expect. Um, and then obviously when we find uh, issues, one of the challenges we have on the technical side is these are really like black boxes to us. Like we have no access to the original source code. Uh, we don't burden the developer with like heavy questions or anything like that. So once again, the team's really working underneath the covers to really make sure that we can enable these, uh, you know, great games from the past. And not only do we want them to play, but in many cases, we want them to play better than you've ever seen them before with things like auto HDR or FPS boost. Uh, and it's just like, honestly, it, we hear the feedback a lot from the community of the team is wizards. Uh, I'll be honest, like there's times where the team continues to blow me away where, you know, they'll be struggling with the challenge for a while. And then like one of my most exciting things is to get an email or an instant message from the team saying, Hey, we think we have a breakthrough here and being able to run up to their office and check it out uh, was always a huge highlight for me. So your, your mention of lacking access to source code got me excited because what I really want to hear about <laughs> is our, our technical details, hopefully not breaching any trade secrets here, but um, could you talk a little bit about what happens when you know when you boot an original Xbox or a 360 game? What is happening under the hood there? Are you are you launching like a full virtual machine and like running the original game code under uh, you know within that, or you know are you having to recompile stuff uh, or interpret executables and things like that on the fly? I'm just curious about the nitty gritty of how this stuff all works. Yeah, I mean it, it's it. Depending on the generation, it gets even more uh, kind of complicated. So what I'll say is when we started with the uh, original X uh, Xbox 360 games on Xbox One, to be honest, we didn't even know if this was going to be possible. We had to emulate a completely different hardware architecture from the Xbox 360 generation on a very different hardware architecture for the Xbox One. So what we actually did is back in 2014, we took a small group of some of our best engineers and we just kind of locked them away for about a year because we didn't know if this was actually going to be possible. And then, you know, through all that work, you know, they were basically able to emulate the GPU and then emulate the CPU as well. But obviously we had a lot more performance headroom on these next generation consoles. But job one was to really make sure that we were authentic to that original creative vision. Um, and then when we started bringing original Xbox games to the Xbox One, it's actually an emulator on top of an emulator because we had it when we brought original Xbox games to the Xbox 360, we had to build an emulator there. So when you're running an original Xbox game on an Xbox One, it's an original Xbox emulator running on top of an Xbox 360 emulator running on top of Xbox One. So if you think about all the levels of complexity with the design of the hardware architecture and also with the fact that games are really, console games are really tightly optimized to the unique characteristics of that hardware, 
And in some cases, we actually had to emulate bugs that were in the hardware itself because games had actually taken a dependency on, oh, this is exactly how this hardware works. So it's always funny to ask a software engineer to purposely emulate a bug that was in old hardware. Um, and then when it came to the Xbox Series X and S, we knew forward compatibility was an absolute critical pillar uh, of the design of those systems. And that actually directly influenced the design of the hardware of the silicon architecture, because we wanted to make sure that we could bring all the games from the Xbox One generation forward to the Xbox Series X and S. Um, and, and, you know, just huge kudos of the entire team from the backwards compatibility team to our silicon team to our hardware team uh, to just really be able to pull off what was really a daunting task uh, at the beginning of the Xbox Series X and S generation. So is that how the, the FPS boost for, I think it's, what is it, around two dozen, maybe 26, something like that, or uh, titles that were already back compat but now got the FPS boost? Is, is that also something that just came about as uh, through this process of further and further refinement and kind of increases in expertise? Yeah, I mean... First off, you know, the team are experts at what they do. And one of the things that they really uh, love is that technical challenge. And when they started getting games running on the Xbox Series X and S, we realized like we could complete the processing that say an original Xbox game or an Xbox 360 game, we could complete that work in so much uh, more faster of a time. And then the question was, okay, what can we do with all this additional headroom? And so that's where the idea of FPS boost actually came from, where it was like, okay, you know, some games have very distinct timing uh, in the actual game engine itself. And the way they manage their internal clocks, like sometimes animations and physics are tightly coupled to frame rate. But basically what we did is we're able to trick the game into rendering uh, and running much faster than it was before. And as long as the game engine is designed in such a way that those systems are not tightly coupled, we can actually just render the frames in half the time that the game thinks it is and then basically effectively speed the game up. But there, you know, that's an example of a technique that will not work on many games. Uh, you know, in the early days when we first were experimenting with the technique, there was a game that we had put through and we saw like physics completely break down. Uh, or there was another game where you had crowds and uh, characters in the crowd. And all of a sudden the character animations were running twice as fast. So it was a really excited crowd where it's like, you know, and some people may say like, oh, that's not a big deal. I'd still like to run it at the higher frame rate. But the reality is, is once again, we always want to respect that original creator's vision and we don't want to do wrong by uh, the title. So there's some titles that uh, we've gotten mostly working and either we find a game breaking bug, so we have to disable it. There's other cases where, you know, um, maybe the game uh, can actually run at a full 60 frames a second or at a full 120 frames a second. And in those cases, oftentimes we'll provide the, the end player with an option of enable FPS boost or not, so they can choose how they actually want to experience it. So I know you mentioned that fan feedback played a pretty big role in filtering this last wave. Is there is there anything else, any other detail you want to give about what your selection criteria were? I mean, did, you know personal favorites on the team or anything like that play into it? Yeah, I mean, so much of the backwards compatibility program has been driven by the fans and the community. You know, everybody has, you know, their own personal favorite games, whether it's the biggest AAA blockbuster or a cult classic that you and your friends, you know, remember having like epic game nights on like a Saturday night or, or you have like an emotional connection with due to playing with friends or family in the past. 
So, you know, one of the biggest things about this entire program is just listening to the community. And even for me, you know, I get a lot of these requests on social media. And it was so funny because there was games that people were requesting that I personally had never even heard of when you think about the thousands of games that exist in the back catalog. Um, So like I said, you know, when we started this last push, we basically built our dream list of titles. Every title that, you know, we have heard from, you know, there's even members of the community who would collate lists for us and say, hey, here's the ranking based on like voting that we've done. So we put all of those titles in there and we just really made an aggressive run to try to get as many of those titles as we could. And there's some titles that are in the catalog now that I never thought we would be able to bring to the program. And it's just exciting to really deliver them to the community. And even the response that we've seen since yesterday's announcement has been just you know, really gratifying to the team and just really uh, celebrates, you know, this art form that we all love. So I, I know there is an air of finality to this to this announcement, but, you know, I, I feel like mergers and acquisitions are pretty big in, or, you know, pretty hot topic in games right now. Is is there maybe a never say never aspect to this of if certain games or certain publishers catalogs were maybe to <laughs> come under the Microsoft umbrella in the future? Do you think that might enable you to kind of sneak a few through uh, past the close date? Or is that is that too big a question right now? You know, the, when we had to pause the program, when we were starting to, to validate everything in the lead up to the Xbox Series X and S launch, I actually made that exact comment of never say never because, you know, we knew there was some fan favorites out there. We knew there was things that the, the public just really wanted. Um, and we didn't know. We didn't know at that time. You know, based on the fact that we started with a really large list and we tried to get as many titles as we possibly could um you know there is a sense of finality to it right now but to your point i mean none of us can predict the future so you know maybe uh but we don't have we don't see that in the in the immediate term um and you know who knows maybe something does unlock in the future uh but right now we're really focused on the titles that we were able to bring back to the to the community and we just want to celebrate that Cool. And then lastly, so, you know, the quote in the blog mentions that preservation generally is a focus for for Xbox. Um, Backwards compatibility aside on specific titles, is there anything you'd like to tease for the future or just kind of expand on in terms of like more holistically uh, what the preservation effort looks like? Yeah, at this point, game preservation is really within the DNA of Team Xbox. You know, we've been investing in this area for a really long time. Like I said, I think we've really, you know, led the industry in some of these areas, both technically as well as the way that we think about preserving games. And I think what that's done is is really set us up to, as an industry, to really think about how do we preserve these games moving forward. And I think one of the things that's most exciting to me is the fact that, um, you know, now when you think about something like being able to play a game from xCloud that was originally written for the Xbox 360, trust me, I was here in the 360 generation. None of us, when we were building games, ever thought about the fact like this game someday in the future might be running from a server in the cloud, streamed down to a mobile device. So it's really about, you know, curating this art form and really about enabling more people to play these games, even if you don't say have a console. Uh, Or maybe it's a game that historically has been on a console and now you can stream it to a PC or to a mobile device. So as we think about all the games that are being built today, I think preservation is absolutely key to us. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to continue to bring these games back from the past and enable people to play them in new ways, you know, that were never thought of when they were originally created. Great. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time and uh, congratulations on, on this final push. 
I really appreciate it. And I appreciate everything that you guys do for the community. Uh, and we just wanted to celebrate the 20th anniversary with the fans. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. That was a fun chat. Yeah. Always, always a good time to get a little peek behind the curtain. Well, I do like curtains and sometimes or, in, or inside the virtual machine as yes. the case may be. Well, that is going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank everybody for listening. We talked about Halo. Halo Infinite, I should say. Halo mm-hmm. Infinite, the multiplayer beta. Uh, Halo Infinite, still slated to come out December 8th. Uh, Battlefield 2042, the early edition, early bird special. Uh, that game is coming out this Friday for realsies, but um, playable if you got the super duper uh, incredible deluxe edition. And uh, Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition, now out, and I believe currently downloadable across most platforms. Re-released on PCs near you. That's right. Uh, And a bunch of news there, uh, if you missed it, including some Xbox backwards compatible news mixed in there. Your list of games. That's going to do it for the show. I want to, uh, of course, say thanks for everybody for supporting Nextlander. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to everyone who has uh, been out there supporting us on uh, uh, Patreon. Of course, you can support us just by listening, by tuning in. But a special shout out, as we have had a lot of streams recently that have been, uh, let's say, held copyrighted material. Uh, So uh, thanks for supporting us over on the Patreon. It is how we are able to do this especially as all the the stuff we do on YouTube gets flagged. Yeah. Uh, You are funding our defense suits (laughs) against the recording industry. (laughs) Or or at least as uh, anything we put up there is. uh, Yeah. No one's suing us. It's just we can't monetize that shit. Yeah. Uh, So thanks again to everybody for supporting us and listening and sending the good vibes. Uh, You can do so over at patreon.com slash nextlander. Find a tier that suits your needs. Go over there and take a look. We've got a bunch of fun stuff over there you can sign up for. So thanks again, patreon.com slash nextlander. We do have one tier called the Mysterious Benefactor Tier. And in that there tier, uh, as a bonus, you get a shout out on this here podcast. Alex Navarro, would you do the honors for the Mysterious Benefactors for this week? I will gladly do this for you, Vinny, and only for you. Maybe for Brad also. And for the Mysterious Benefactors. Yeah, okay, for them too. Yeah, sure, why not? The Mysterious Benefactors this week are Aaron Gonzalez-Beer, Andrew Teepkin, Steve Lynn, Andrew Slosky, Andrew Jackson, Anders Buge, Bunny Crimes, hashtag Bunny Crimes, Jerry Lee, Devin Maestro-Hall, Edward Cheek, Brian D., Evan Cook, Gary Pejsky, Richard Welsh, a.k.a. Hired Noobs, John Hubbard, Chris Barkhurst, Rob M, Jack Einicker, Jad Rita, It Me JP, Mark Wilhelm, Statics, Kevin Velado, Conrad Kuzman, Mark Allenbach, Matt, Matthew Herrig, John McGinnis, Skywarp, Sean Miller, Vinny's Giant Booga Boogas, you gotta change that one eventually, man, Brian Murphy, Nick Donegan, Nelson LeBlanc, Ninja Ducky, JM, Randy Duax, Peter Reardon, Rick Button, James Smith, Joseph Regan, Thomas Lynn, Robert Fisher, Tyler Treese, and Bacon Monk. 
Thanks again. Those are our mysterious benefactors this week. Thanks to everybody who has supported us, whether through Patreon, watching our stuff, going around saying Next Lander is the best thing I've ever heard or seen. Anything you're out there doing. You can just say we're cool. You don't even have to like be that effusive about it. If you just think we're cool, that's great. That's all we need. Did, did, did you know that we couldn't do it without them? I did know that. Oh, and, did you? Uh, oh, this is the I, first I'm hearing of it. No, uh, I, I knew it. I knew it from day one. No, thanks, everybody. We um we got some shows up this week. If you want to catch them, uh, well, we said Monday we had that stream. We did the uh, Xbox anniversary stream. If you want to see us go and in, dip into some Xbox games, if you want to see what was in my New Year's playlist on my Xbox from the year, I don't know, when was what do you think that was from? 2000. Two? I'm gonna say 2001, 2002. Yeah. What, what was what? What did I think the when hottest did that songs? Come, album come out? I don't remember. I don't know. That's a great, great little playlist there. You can go check that out. Uh, we play some uh, some some stuff that's old, some stuff that's medium old that has been FBM boosted, and just, some stuff that's new. I want to know how short this New Year's party was. <laughs> there were only four songs on that playlist. It was like a 15 minute party. Listen, you you, you bounced around a lot when you're in your 20s. You start to go. The presumption is that you'll play those four songs, and then eventually it will devolve into a Halo Land party. You know Fair. how long it took to put CDs in and rip the mm, songs on okay. that thing? It wasn't quick. Yeah. You, oh, wow. By the time yeah. you're on my fourth CD, I was ah, done. Or it's sure. like, we're finished here. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, you can go check that out. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Alex and I jump back into Guardians of the Galaxy. You can go check that out uh, for some more licensed music <laughs> in your in your archive. Uh, we've got a Ramble cast up. we got this year podcast. Brad's jumping into more VR and Resident Evil. You got to get out of that room, man. You gotta, go, eyes, you gotta find your way. You gotta find a way wide. out of that room. You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it. Do you even remember what you're up to? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. It's your birthday. It's yes. actually Alex's it birthday. Sure is yeah. my birthday. But it's, it's a for my birthday, birthday, I want you to escape the birthday. Okay. I, last week's last week's stream ran a, a little long and turned out to be an interesting experiment in <laughs> let's say the limits of my VR tolerance. Oh, we, we go beyond the limits here. That's what Brad does fried. for you. Yes. Maybe a little fried by the time I got to that room. And then uh, we'll be back on Friday with a fun stream there. We're still uh, putting that one together. so uh, But you won't want to miss it. Uh, and then next week we're going to have our Discord Q&A. So uh, uh, stay tuned for details on that. And you can put questions over on the Discord. There's a channel. Questions, we're going to drop them in there. I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Brad Shoemaker. Thank you. Thank you, Alex Navarro. Thank you. And we'll be back next week.